Hello, Chomp Nation, and welcome to another episode of the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp. Our mission is simple to talk about the video games we're playing, to discuss all issues surrounding gaming, and to cultivate a community of like minded people who want to discuss gaming with each other. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is our official 300th episode of the Chompcast. It is also close to our six year anniversary, so we're going to celebrate both at the same time. So, how does someone celebrate devoting six years of their lives to a video game podcast? What does someone do on the anniversary? of showing up every week for six years, minus a few weeks of necessary vacation, to prevent insanity. Well, to put it simply, you show up for another week of talking about video games. That's how you celebrate it. You know, usually we have a topic and some video game polls for you, the listeners, to interact with, but this week, we're going to do it differently. I'm going to throw six prompts at the guys, including myself. They will answer quickly, and they will be allowed to justify their answer after they answer quickly. Oh, God. After our topic of the show, we will be discussing the games that we've been playing for the past week, such as the new roguelike content for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Tunic, Frogun, Baron Breakfast, Crosscode, and Video Horror Story. Society. We will round... We... What'd I say? He said video horror story. Why did I say that? Video Horror Society. Thanks for correcting me. We will round out the show with a special surprise. (laughs) Let me me introduce you to the voices of the Chomp cast. First, I am joined by the newest member of Sword Chomp. Besides being a co-host of the Chomp cast, he is the co-host of Chomping After Dark, the main host of Chomping at the Bits, the editor of the article section at the Sword Chomp site, and he runs the Twitter. Please welcome Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing today? I'm doing hey. phenomenal. Uh, welcome back, Shay. Welcome back. You're back Thank in the you. pilot seat. I we're not off the rails anymore. Our topics were fucking nonsense. Well, we did whatever we wanted. We were dogs without mm-hmm. horses. W- what was anybody to do about it? There was no nobody could stop us. We were like, not- fuck it. We're just gonna list Zelda games. That's the topic, and that's what we did. <laughs> I kind I kind of like that though. Um, I, so, hey, hey, let, let's make a top 10 list of a genre with only 10 games in it. The, the, yeah, the funniest part of that was, and this is something we, Josh and I talked about, like, behind closed doors afterwards, which was, I was genuinely worried that episode would be too short. And it was pretty fucking long, with, even with just two of us. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes sense. You know, without without me being there to kind of stop you guys from getting lost in the weeds. But that's the funny, like, we didn't go on tangents or anything. We just really talked about ten Zelda games at length. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, though. Zelda's a great, great uh, series. IP. Yeah. What have you. It's really made me, made me want to start that series over from the first game. Again, I've just, like, I've, go I've been playing all um, of them. All I've been playing Minish Cap on my, my handheld uh, since then. There you on go. On my little Ager handheld. Sweet. That's a good game. So good. You're a good game. Thanks, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I hope you had a, a thrilling two weeks off. I'm about to take a week off after this, actually. Um, so let's make the most of 300 episodes. I can't believe I've been on all 300. It's crazy. <laughs> it just seems like yesterday. It's insane, right? 
This is what, why I'm a five, fourth episode? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here, Rich. Um, I'm also joined by a person who not only co-hosts the Chompcast, they are the co-host of Chomping After Dark, they edit the Chompcast, they edit the Sword Chomp site, uh, they wrote an incredible language guide for Tunic, does some of the business admin, and is one of the founders here at Sword Chomp. Please welcome Josh Fowler. Josh, how awesome was it to get a break from me for two weeks? I'm going to hold on to this. You just, you know, treasure it in my heart for the next few years. Just, you know, something, something to cling to when times mm. get really dark. You're like, you remember those two weeks? Ah. Mm-hmm. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Josh was not prepared for my, like, I'm like, you know, Shay always prepares an intricate intro. I prepared nothing. What the fuck is up? <laughs> is that what you did? Yeah, I was like, this is all off the cuff. I got nothing written down. <laughs> I don't know. I, even I don't know what's going to happen. I like that. I haven't listened to the episodes yet, so. I think we did all right. And we did, yeah. uh, we, we did have Ray drop in for that second week uh, to help us out, which was nice. It was nice. It was nice getting Ray back here for a while. He's a... Uh... Yeah. I wanted to get him in there for this episode, but uh, as you guys know, I don't have a functioning phone at the moment. Yeah, we didn't see your messages until about 15 minutes before the episode started. It's a kind of short notice. Uh I gave you guys about, I don't know, 12 to 16 hours. But I mean, I did talk to you last night before your phone died, so I knew that you were around and that the episode was going to (laughs) happen. You did know that. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Well, Josh, I'm glad you're here. (laughs) And lastly, not only am I the co-host of the Chompcast, I'm the co-host of Chomping After Dark, the host of Evoking the Sublime. I write articles for the Sword Chomp site. I run the Sword Chomp Instagram, and I do some business admin. And I, too, am one of the founders here at Sword Chomp. I am Shay Layton, and it feels good to be back after a two-week vacation. Speaking of, I want to say a big thank you to Rich for covering for me in the host duties while I was on vacation. Thanks, buddy. It was fun. Thank, thank, thank you for the opportunity, sir. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're so welcome. But uh, that two-week vacation was way better than I expected it to be, to be honest with you. So I'm glad I'm here, but I'm also glad that I had a two-week vacation from all the responsibilities in my life. My man, sometimes you just need it. And this is this is going to pull back the curtain for half a second on this show. I think we all need to be more vocal about that. You know, sometimes you just need a week, man. You just need to breathe. Take in the fresh mountain air. I live in a city. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I, well, I'll tell you. Because I went from the city to the mountain air. And my God, was it amazing. I was like, every time I forget, holy shit, the air smells good and fresh and sweet. It, it, it's great. I think I brought this up on the show when last, like, I went upstate, like, even just going to upstate New York, like, I was like, I just start coughing again immediately when I cross over the bridge. I love it here. <laughs> I there's, mean, there's, there's my smog, baby. That, there's something, like, weird about the city because, you know, being back home, it was fresh air, it was quiet at night, and I was like, where's the noise? I can't, I like can't sleep. I think of that Always Sunny episode. I can't sleep without all this... Yeah, I think of the Always Sunny episode with so the Mac or in the suburbs. How am I ever going to get to sleep if I'm not gasping for air? Exactly. 
I can't, I don't feel like I'm at home unless I'm sitting in front of mm-hmm. my PC and I see that air quality warning in the bottom right-hand corner. Exactly. It's, 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 it's the oxygen deprivation that finally, finally knocks me out every night. Eventually the sound of ambulances and car horns will lull me to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will tell you this uh, before we move on really quickly, because I don't want to dominate all of the intro, but I had flown through L.A., which is the first time I've ever been to L.A. or California for that Oh, matter. was this the first time you've been at LAX? Oh, my Condolences. God. Condolences. Oh, well, my God. Well, so a couple things there. First off, flying into L.A., I was like, God damn, is it smoggy here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Did, did you fly into LAX or did you go to uh, Burbank? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I was just, I was so surprised, and I was um, on the way there and the way back, I flew through L.A., and I was able to actually meet uh, Ivan, one of our um, longtime buddies of the show, and him and I mm-hmm. hung out. We went and got some of the most delicious Mexican food I've ever had. While um, you're in L.A., you have to seize that opportunity, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, went to Venice Beach, saw some of the most sightseeing things there, and sure, I didn't meet anybody famous, unfortunately. At LAX, or I mean, at why, LA. why? Why would you expect that to see two famous people in the same spot? It's just statistically it doesn't unlikely. make any sense. Yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh huh. Yeah, but as I'm flying out of LAX to uh, to where did I fly to? I flew to Salt Lake City because uh, that, that was kind sense. of the layover spot before getting to where my ultimate destination was. And on the plane, I'm walking on the plane at LAX, and I see Craig Robinson just in first class going to Salt Lake City. And I was like, huh, okay. Can I, Shay, can I give you a a pro tip? And I'm going to, like, out this on the podcast for everyone right now. If you ever find yourself flying to LA again, for fuck's sake, fly into Burbank. Yeah. LAX is hell. Well, let me tell you about how hell LAX was, because on the flight back, I mean, on... Two LAX wasn't bad at all. I was it didn't wasn't a long way over there. I think it was like four hours, and it was cool. I was able to get some food that I forgot about. I was like, oh, peace tea, oh Reese's. And I didn't forget about Reese's. Peace tea like, is still like, a thing. I yeah. didn't know they were still making. I, I do w- love w- peace whatever tea. that product was. I don't have a problem with the taste of peace tea. I just I, I don't think I've seen it in fifteen years. Yeah, no, I've not I've not seen that anywhere. I couldn't find snowberry anywhere, and I was like, how do you get? I don't even know what flavor? that is. Regardless, uh, uh, so on the like the transfer to LAX and then what where I went next was okay. The way back was horrible because I had a uh, I had a twelve hour layover and I was like, I'll just you know get some sleep somewhere. No, you won't. What I didn't consider was that I had to get out of the international and then go to the domestic terminal, and so that meant yeah. I had to yep. leave. The safety of where all the like places I could comfortably sleep were like the Delta Lounge and stuff like that to get my baggage. And so then I go to the terminal where I'm going to take off the next morning. And um, I, I was like, hey, can I is there anywhere I can go to like crash like a like a special room or something They're like nope, just sleep on one of the chairs. And LAX, as I'm sure you guys are aware, is fucking, fucking filthy. Christ. For, Seriously, they didn't put you up in a hotel. No, no. Well. They didn't even offer. Well, so this so lady yeah. points to these chairs wow, in the corner. And I'm like, fuck, All right, fuck it. So I, so I go in the corner and like, I, I am not disparaging anybody. So please don't think that there is a woman in the corner with like eight suitcases. Um, elderly lady just kind of crashing the corner by herself. And then there's this guy right across from me that 
I'm not sure if was homeless, but was like eating stuff and then just throwing the garbage on the floor right next to him. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I'm like, I got to wait eight hours for the terminal to open. So I'm sitting there with my bags and I'm like, just playing my switch and I'm trying not to fall asleep because I, you know, I don't know how sketchy LAX is, you know, at night. So I'm trying to keep my wits about me. And there's this yeah. one guy who keeps coming and going like every hour for like the first four hours. And it was weird as shit. Anyways, I'm refusing to fall asleep for the first few hours. Finally, like I just doze off with my switch in my hand and I wake up with the seemingly homeless guy in front of me, handing me something. I was like, what the fuck? And uh, he handed me <laughs> um, a eye mask for falling asleep from Target. <laughs> and it, it, looks, it looks used. I will say that. In the wrapper, but used. And then he went and sat back down for like five or ten minutes. And then he just disappeared. And I just threw the mask to the side of me. And I just kept playing Switch and dozing off for the remaining six hours. And it was like being on drugs because i was like what fucking time is it where am i every time i would wake up and yeah yeah airports are not real spaces they're they're yeah yeah they exist outside of time and space you mm-hmm. could be anywhere it could be any time there's yeah, no there's way to know for sure sleeping in an airport is is experiential identical to being awake in an airport i whenever <laughs> when i fly out of lax you need to fly out of lax in the dead of night so god can't see you um so the last time I was there, he, he, he doesn't ever extend his gaze upon LAX. It makes sense. That's yeah. that's like it's the city of Sodom. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I get to it's, it's one of those things that like babbles me to this day uh, because I'm flying domestically. I'm flying back to New York. LAX is one of the busiest airports in the world. How the fuck does this terminal just shut down for two hours? There's nobody. Th- How are we doing this? How is that possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there, there are some mistakes happening. Like there's this uh, one flight that had to, that was directed to go t- through terminal B and they're actually supposed to go to terminal four. And I'm sitting there kind of like halfway asleep. And this guy with a cowboy hat comes up to me. He's like, Hey friend, uh, got a question for you. Where is this flight supposed to go? I was like, fucking work here i don't know let me help you so we go to the mo- i was like did you check the monitor he's like no and i was like why would i do right, that let's go check the monitor <laughs> why would i check the and place where the information the mo- is yeah and then we look and i was like oh it looks like you're in terminal four it's like what the fuck it starts freaking out and walking off not even a thank you i was like you're welcome and let's <laughs> sat back down <laughs> that's like on a much faster scale uh, my favorite thing in new york is dealing with people who are not from new york in penn station like trying to get a train to Long Island and they're being like, do you know what? Uh, like it's the middle of the night and they're like, do you know what uh, track this train's on? And I'm like, just follow the drunk people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I've been on both sides of that. Like I, I've been on the side where I have yeah. no fucking idea where I'm supposed to go. I feel overwhelmed. Please help me. And then I've been on the opposite end where like it's it's common sense. Figure it out, motherfucker. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's read the board, my dude. I don't it know. That shit. I've I've done enough international flights that like figure it out, man. Figure it out. Like it's it's not that hard. They intentionally make all airports everywhere pretty easy to to navigate. Yeah. Like, yeah, for the most part, I would agree with that. Yeah. 
Like I, I, I there are a few exceptions, but you know. And it, like, and, and I, yeah, yeah, like very easy. Like I, I was through Madrid just after that airport got bombed, and it was still easy to navigate, with a gaping hole in the middle of it. They figured out how to make that work. They just put a cone down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like just you know, stay to the right I of mean, the cones. I'm I'm glad after the bombing they thought of you know all the disparaged people and put glory holes in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice of them. We all yeah, have right. nice You guys ever been to the Detroit uh, airport? Speaking of glory holes. Yes, that's that one's another mess because no. the Detroit airport is two airports a mile away from each other. And it was created by Satan. Yeah, yeah. Because it was, that that's another issue, because the entire airport was meant to be navigable by Japanese businessmen. So almost every sign in the entire airport is in Japanese. And it seems like they forgot to make them in English as well. Because the point was, well... That's why I'm learning Japanese, so yeah, exactly. I can make my way to the Detroit airport. Exactly, businessmen Japanese car manufacturers it's are going to be through here all the time. Yeah. And they forgot to make the signs in English. I had a layover in Detroit one time, and I was like, this place seems like it sucks. Mm-hmm. That's my well, glowing endorsement of, the of Detroit. the is fine. The, uh, the South Terminal is fine. That's the one that has stuff. And then mm. the North Terminal is, like, just just extra gates is, is kind of what that is. Mm. Well, Rich, speak of glowing endorsements. Let's get to the topic of the show before okay, I Dad. derail this any further. Um, so, like I said at the beginning of the show, here's how the topic's going to work. I'm going to ask you guys a question, and you guys have to just answer it. Don't think about it. Just answer it. Not thinking if is you, my if you think about never it, thought I'm about skipping anything. You. I don't know why this would be a, you know, caveat. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys overthink it, I'm skipping you. Because here's the thing. Say the answer, and then you can reflect on the answer. I want the answer first within like five seconds, tops, okay. and then you can reflect on it. And I think that's fair because I want just like a split decision answer and then you can get into it. And of course, obviously, I have a bit of a, a leg up. Obviously, I wrote the topics. I have not done any research. I haven't really thought about the topics. I wrote them last night and then I forgot what I wrote purposely. You trying to get a dick up on me? Got that leg up. 100%. 100%. You piss on my dick, right. tell me it's raining. Rich, since you're the newest of the new here, I'm going to throw you the first one. You ready? Yeah. So you got, you got five seconds to think about it and answer. Okay. You can do it sooner if you want to. What is one of your top five AAA games of all time? Five, four, three, two, one. Super Go. Mario Odyssey. <laughs> okay, why? It's good. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, I like, uh, Mario platformers a lot, I feel like that was a great culmination of what Mario had done with platforming, um, I feel like I'm still on a clock, but I know I'm not, um, it, uh, Mario wears a dress, Mario wears a dress in that, which is cool, he wears a wedding dress, playable outfit, yeah, he, uh, I like the way they blend, uh, some of the 2D and 3D stuff in that, um, I it's I like the way Mario uh, can take control of the body of a human man and fuck his wife. It's true. Huh. Okay, well, fair enough. You feel satisfied with your answer? 
I feel like my brain was really scrambling to like go. What justifies a triple A game? I, I was literally <laughs> the exact same spot. And I was like, like Mario what's, what's AAA? is a triple A yeah. game. What's a good Mario? <laughs> and I think my brain probably just picked like the most recent Mario it could think of. But I'm happy with that answer. It's a good ass okay, Mario good. game. Yeah, good. All right, Josh. What is one of your top five AAA games of all time? Go. Mass Effect five. One. And kind of, I already oh. thought about this because I, at no point did I think about Nintendo as AAA because there were several years there where it did not seem like they had any AAA DNA left in them. They're um, a card manufacturer. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I probably would have gone with Nintendo had I thought about it, but uh, I'm not going to cheat and take more than five seconds after you asked Rich. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I, I, I was, I was, I was already thinking of Mass Effect One because I knew he was going to okay, get the same question. One. This is bullshit. Exactly. Well, again, that's I I'm going to switch I, the I order. Want, I did want everyone to get a leg up. I appreciate that. You're a good. You're a good guy. Yeah. Um, I'll switch yeah, the order. I, Don't I really. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 I should have just named a book and confused everyone. Good option. Um. I really like Mass Effect 1. I really liked when that series had a much more RPG focus. Um, I know most people hated it. Frankly, it kind of sucked early on. But, end of that game, having a sniper rifle that basically you could not shoot fast enough to run out of ammo, and that actually shot what you were intending to shoot because you'd leveled up your, your accuracy enough by the end of that game. You felt like a god by the end of Mass Effect 1. And then they retuned Mm. everything to make it more fair and balanced as a shooter. And at that point on, it fucking sucked to do any stealth, any sniping. Like, it's, it's just a cover shooter. Like, use an assault rifle, because that's what the game is tuned around. Everything other than that fucking sucked. They ruined it after that. But Mass Effect 1, I loved. And it still had all the rest of the storytelling stuff that was done really well through the entire series. Mass Effect mm. 1, like the original like thing before they more, screwed baby. up, was excellent. I, I, I love that game. So, And it, it really was more... I think you'd find yourself in good company. I think so. I think there's still enough people there who like that people. game, but like 2 obviously was the one that everyone kind of caught on with, but like there were wrong ways to play one, and I think that's kind of what people didn't like. Was mm. that, you know, it was an RPG. Mass Effect 1 was an RPG, and, you know, people were not on board with that. Um, but I, yeah. I really liked it. So. I think it's a great choice. Um, for myself, I'm going to go with Final Fantasy X. He only thought about my... this for, for five seconds, by the way. He, he, he wrote this question and then refused to think about it un, until he just gave now. Himself, he actually gave himself a roofie right before the show. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> He's just reading these notes right now and experiencing them for the first time. You know. He's not even going to remember re- recording I, this. Actually, I, honest, honest to God, Josh, I don't remember the second question I wrote. I haven't even looked at it since I wrote it last night. Honest Perfect. to God. Perfect. Honestly, God. Uh, I'm going to choose Final Fantasy X. I've talked about it a lot on this show. I think that, you know, Seven gets a lot of the credit, and it's a fantastic game. The remake was awesome. The original was awesome. But for me, there was just something about X 
10 that cemented itself for me as one of the greatest AAA games of all time, in my opinion. I love the fact that Titus is a protagonist that isn't this macho, badass, um, teenager, emo kid. It was just like the antithesis of what most of Final Fantasy had been doing up until that point. Um, I, I really like that he's a stark contrast to a lot of what the protagonists in previous games were. I like the dynamic between him and Yuna. I like the story. Um, yeah. I, I loved the voice acting that was integrated. I love the upgrade system. I love the, uh, um, the way they changed the battle system in this game. There were, there were so many things I loved about this game and it just, it had the, the intangible quality of just having the wonder and mystique that hit me in a um, pivotal time in my life. You know, I was growing up and this game just had enough there that I always just wanted to be in the world playing it. I wanted to be drafting people for my Blitzball team. I wanted to be discovering where all the ultimate weapons were. I wanted to find all the summons. I wanted to do every single conceivable thing in that game and um i feel the same way about Shaq's quest (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad you got something too like i have but that game just had the level of mystique and wonder that i needed at a time in my life and every time i've gone back to play it it's still i mean nostalgia is obviously such a big part of that but that game just hits all the right notes for me and it makes yeah. me wonder, did it, does it hit the right notes for me because it's what shaped who I am and what kind of games I like? Or did it hit, did it hit the notes after I discovered what I liked and that game was just the culmination of that? Or maybe it's both. Who knows? You but, like the um, way that Orin's sword is heavy, but he still uses one arm. So that's how you know he's strong. Yeah. That's right. That's the, right. Yeah. 10, 10 I think, holds up pretty well because that was the... Change to, to turn-based combat, and I think it really was balanced really well because of that. Because they, you know, the spear grid's great thing too, especially in the international yeah. edition where it actually makes sense for it to exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I, I do think ten is one of those games that gets memed a lot of the times because it's one of the first voice but acted still games. Fucking but it's holds so up. good. It's so so good. And frankly, that meme was stupid to begin with because the whole point of it was that it was a fake laugh. Christ, the internet has ruined people on any sort of sincerity at all. Josh, Josh, here's the thing. I wrote an article uh, that wasn't even about that game. Um, I also own a Christmas sweater that's uh, Titus laughing with a Santa hat on going, ho, ho, ho! But, uh, but... um that's that's pretty good final fantasy a couple years back put out like limited edition wines that i believe were tied to like an ff14 thing um and i wrote the news article about that for destructoid and the joke i made for the headline was be flush with wine and laugh like titus and everyone in the comments felt actually it's i fucking know i don't care i was making a joke Mm -hmm. shut up yeah Sorry, you just, I thought it was thinking about that with this topic, and I just had to... Yeah, that, that was one of the, one of the early internet memes, and it's yeah. just... Like, I get it, but, like... I don't know. I mean, that's, that's half the internet, is, is 
is shitting on something without context. And I, I feel like that meme in and of itself is kind of... If but they weren't shitting on it. They were you rushing could, you to could its defense. You teach a whole class about like that Titus Like I was too stupid meme. to get it. Like an ent entire 101 internet studies class about that meme. And there, there'd be enough, I think a single there's, there's lesson. Enough material yeah, I don't there. think a... I don't oh, think I'm an teaching a whole class about it too late. Lesson. Yeah. Well, let's move on. <laughs> For you guys in chat, <laughs> number two. This is the sweater. Josh, I'm going to throw it to you first. Um, I'll go second, and Rich, you get the joy of being last. Okay. All right. So, Josh, what is one of the your top five best video game protagonists of all time? Five of all time. Four. Yet three, two. One. Go. Locke from Final Fantasy VI. That's a good one. I I, oh, I okay. Locke is one of the first characters you meet in uh um well like Terra is the first hero you meet in Final Fantasy VI, mm. obviously kind of wearing wearing the uh mind control slave crown mm. that she's got on at the beginning of that game that you kinda there's there's a lot of mystery going on right away. But the first character that you meet who is in control of their actions is Locke. And he's kind of a, this, this, this rogue, you know, it's just, just, a, just a, a general piece of shit thief who... Uh, out for himself. Yeah, he's out for in himself. in like an overly aggressive way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he's, he's very much a, a Han Solo type. But by framing most of Final Fantasy VI, through his eyes, you're kind of given this sort of you have to do what you have to do in order to face this existential threat to the world that is, you know, a clown this, man, this fucking fascist clown who who wants to destroy the who world, who poisoned the river for funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, Locke is such a great character to to frame mm. most of that narrative through uh like he's got his own stuff going on but you know the the point being you, you can't ignore this it's it's something big enough that you i have to get involved is kind of the way most of that story is framed which is not really the way most final fantasy stories are told they're kind of oh I, I got dragged into this thing Locke is 100% a character who is kind of minding his own business but doesn't get dragged into it but decides I have to do something about this. Shit's mm. shit's going sideways. I can't ignore it. He has actual I, he, he feels like rather cuz it is on rails the story but it feels like he has actual agency and I think that Yeah, is yeah, and I I good quality. I, Exactly, exactly. And I think that's something that kind of gets missed in a lot of these stories, like these kind of, you know, oh, I'm the chosen one or whatever else sort of bullshit justification for making you the protagonist of the story. You, listener, are the protagonist because that's your only option. It's your life. If, if something is something you can't ignore, don't ignore it is kind of the point of Final Fantasy VI. Uh, and I really think we need more stories like that. There's nothing special at all about Locke. Uh, and he just 
goes with it. He like he he decides this mm. is not something that can if you stand. See something, say yeah. nothing. Don't be a snitch. So anyway, I I I really like Locke from Final Fantasy VI as as a protagonist. Cool. That's a great choice. I wasn't expecting that, and that's a good uh, ex- uh, lack of expect expectation. I don't know what I want to say there. I didn't expect it. It's awesome. I'm glad you went with that one. We'll say right. that. Um, for me, I'm gonna go with Senua from uh, Senua Sacrifice. Ooh, that's obviously, good. Hellblade. That's good. Uh, there there are a lot of reasons to like that character. I like the representation of um mental health and how she struggles and goes through that journey because she's fighting two journeys at the same time or two struggles at the same time where she's fighting this physical toll to find her beloved uh through some of the most gruesome Norse mythology in existence so she's fighting one of the most physically exerting battles of her life but she's also fighting one of the most mentally tough and difficult fights that anybody could face um, where she kind of has the psychosis going on and her brain is trying to trick her, you know, like that she finds no solace in anything she's doing until the very end of her journey in the first game. And obviously there might be some minor spoilers here um, during this topic. So I apologize in advance if you want to avoid spoilers. Um, I'll try and, one one of us will try and highlight when it's getting into really bad spoiler territory. I'm about to go in that territory for this, so if you haven't played Hellblade, go ahead and maybe skip ahead a few minutes. Um, one of the things I like is that the game obviously doesn't pass the Bechdel test when it comes to Senua, because uh, the whole game is premised on her chasing after a guy. But what I do like is, in some ways, that when you get to the end of the game, and she realizes that she can't save her beloved, that she has to let go and start living her own life. So it can push to her um, moving on and you know doing what she needs to do for herself and the things she cares about, which is hopefully and theoretically what we're going to see in the sequel. But I think it starts out with this captivating the game itself starts out with this captivating simplistic story that gets deeper and deeper the further you get into it and it's yeah hard to imagine anyone other than senua doing it she's such an icon in the game and she's such a well-developed character in such a short amount of time that for me i can't wait to see how how she develops in the subsequent game and oh what's going to come of her character I should yeah. really replay that before the second one comes out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a fantastic game. It's such a I've, fantastic. I've, I've replayed that game a, a couple times, but yeah, it, it's still probably worth going through again before the next one comes oh, out. Un- undoubtedly, yeah. undoubtedly worth it. Yeah. Well, Rich, what is one of the your top five uh, best video game protagonists of all time? Everyone's favorite resident dreamboat, Leon Kennedy. I, you know, that was my guess. Really? That was my exact guess. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd like, th- when you said that question, that was literally the first name that came to mind. And it all has to do with, like, honestly, the type of media I enjoy and the type of Leon Kennedy character Leon Kennedy is and is turned into. Um, so, like, the thing about Resident Evil and the thing I love about Resident Evil and that they're getting back to more recently is how, like, dumb, campy horror it is. Right? 
So in Resident Evil 2, Leon Kennedy is introduced as this rookie police officer in over his head who ends up fighting off these monsters in the zombie outbreak. And if that wasn't good enough for you, like the other end of the spectrum of what Resident Evil blends itself between being campy horror is like over the top campy action. Because yeah. the next time we get a Leon-focused Resident Evil game, he's gone from being a rookie <laughs> Raccoon City Police Department to a uh, fucking Terminator. To, yeah, he is the personal bodyguard of the president's daughter, dispatched to a foreign country to single-handedly retrieve her. Yep. He has a knife fight with his old arrival on top of, like, some Egyptian ruins. That game is bananas. It's just quippy one-liners for days. I... I love everything about him as a character because it's so cheesy and just fun, like unapologetically dumb. So good. Yeah. I like, I knew that was going to be your answer simply because of the cheese. And, um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. First, I absolutely, that Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games ever. And Leon is a big part of that. That makes perfect sense. Okay, well, Rich, after I read this prompt, I'll go first. That way, so give me a five second count sure. so I don't cheat. Absolutely. And, uh, uh-huh. yeah, go- don't, don't cheat about this question you wrote. Who knows ago? Ten, <laughs> ten minutes ago. He came up with it while I was talking. Mm-hmm. I did. I was like, oh, let's come up with the third question. I can't believe I only wrote two of these. It. <laughs> Quick, Rich, uh, make uh, him a question. <laughs> yeah, you, you... <laughs> okay, so number three. What is one of your top five video game soundtracks of all time? Five, four, three, Ori and Will of the Wisps. One. That's a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I absolutely love that soundtrack. Um, God, what what do I even say about it? There's so much that happens in that game, and there are a lot of amazing things about it. Obviously, the art direction, the mechanics. Uh, the simplistic yeah. yet heart-wrenching story. But for me, what tied it all together, personally, was the music of that game. And yeah, there are yeah. so many incredible tracks that um, just are in that game that I've revisited that soundtrack off and on again many, many times. I, I, don't, I don't have too much to say about it. I just fucking love uh, that soundtrack, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know what else to say it's about a it. It's 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 excellent. Yeah. It's it's one of those things, you know, Gareth Coker did such an amazing job on it. Um shout out to him. And there 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 are just some songs in there that when I hear that those songs it just makes me feel good. And there's there's nothing else to be said Feels for it, good. you know. I could talk about the melodies and the tempo all that shit, but that's getting lost in the weeds. Just put it simply, I love that soundtrack. I can listen to it all day, every day. Um, yeah. Love that game. Love that Great soundtrack. Pick. Rich, what is one of your top five video game soundtracks of all time? Katamari Damacy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I that think is, I've said at one point on our show that that is the best video game soundtrack it's of all the, time. It is my white whale of video game soundtracks I missed getting on vinyl when the opportunity presented itself and oh. will be on the search for forever. It Katamari is weird and abstract, and the soundtrack leans into that. It's just fun. And, like, when I've had, like, a shitty day, 
I'll like fucking put on the title track for Katamari Damacy so and just like be like, yeah, I'm vibing. Like, oh, yeah. I re- highly recommend listening to the Katamari soundtrack while high. Yeah, the that was one of the first soundtracks because this was forever ago when they just didn't release video game soundtracks. Yeah, that was one of the first soundtracks that I just hooked up some cables to a PS2. To then capture on an actual audio device I, and I make think my as own soundtrack. As soon as it was available in Japan, I imported it. It might have been one of the first things I imported. Yeah, because that that was one of the first soundtracks that I ripped because they they actually had an audio, like that, that, that was a few games used. A lot of games used to have this, where like at some point in the story or after doing whatever achievement, you'd get a audio player in the menu yeah, yeah. and uh katamari damasi had one of those after i think it was after Thank, you beat the game yeah but, thankfully it did be- yeah and and it's not just like the straight like soundtrack of it like the way that game uses audio and like it also uses art in conjunction with that with like the weird like bipolar turnabouts of the king of all cosmos where like yeah. the screen would just turn dour and you just get like a minor chord out of nowhere and be like I think about that screenshot from the first one to this day for I don't remember what level it is, but on the fail save for that level where the King of All Cosmos just looks at you and says, this is not your fault, but ours for believing in you. Uh-huh. Mm. Do you know who did the soundtrack, Rich, for the um, that game? Let me <coughs> look that up. Miyake Yu uh, from it was, it was... Ehime Prefecture in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he he's done a lot of other music in general but like mm. there were there were it was i'm pretty sure it was more than one person who did a lot it, of it it was but he was like the main composer yeah. and sure everything. lonely rolling star slaps oh yeah it does all right well josh again trying well, not to cheat but also it's, it's hard not to cheat uh, trying not to cheat with getting Tell more that time to my girl this. like i'd probably katamari damasi is one of my again up there mm. I, and again, this is not cheating because I ha- I I couldn't decide. This is more than fu- five seconds. No, 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 no that's it, what I'm saying. Within the five seconds, I couldn't make a decision. Oh, uh, I could not okay. make a decision. So not cheating. I'm not gonna like then taking that extra time to decide which one it is. I was it was it, I was literally a coin flip. Like it's it's got to be one of these two between Final Fantasy V, which I know is not most people's choice from that but i i think final fantasy 5 has one of the strongest soundtracks um of that series of of the early final fantasy games Mm. so strong and five gets overlooked i think far too much um or hyperlight drifter Mm. are kind of the two that i'm like it's got to be one of these two and i i didn't have one within that five seconds um okay but like it's it's one of those two is is you know and again i love katamari damasi but like i i hadn't thought about that in five seconds as far as not cheating that was that and then persona was the next thing that came to my brain yeah 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 there are a lot of good like i I feel that because like while i was explaining ori and will the wisps in my mind i was like why didn't you say bastion you asshole or why didn't you say there's so many grammys there's a reason I collect video game vinyl specifically. There's so many good video game soundtracks. So good. So, so good. 
Um, That's one thing that hasn't hit mainstream yet, because I think gaming is mainstream at this point, that I hope gaming soundtracks start becoming mainstream. More they're so. getting added to Spotify like day and date a lot of the time now. It's becoming bigger. Yeah, I, think I hope it continues yeah. to hit that point. I really do, too, because there are so many good old game soundtracks that have gotten overlooked at this point. Frankly, a lot of the older Disaster Piece soundtracks are absolutely top tier. Um, like I was saying mm. with, with Hyper Light Drifter, that that one personally spoke to me a lot. Fez one. is one of the best soundtracks of all time you know as well, kind of kind of for similar mm. reasons. Um, so good, so, so you good. You know it's a weird one that's been in the front of my head for the past few days because it's been on, like, repeat on um, my gym playlist. Shout out to my friend John for getting this stuck in my head like an asshole. Uh, Virgil's theme from DMC5. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that game that game or that soundtrack, but it's it's a fucking killer soundtrack. I'll take your word for it on that. Yeah, the last two Devil May Cry games have both been really good. I I think that a lot of people hated DMC because it was overly edgy and changed too much. It was kind of jokey about it. Like I appreciate it. I yeah, don't get me wrong, I, I Devil May Cry I like five DMC is be- more than most people, but then Devil but May Cry is five is, is is also really good. <laughs> yeah. Um I, 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 yeah, I kind of like both of them for different reasons, but yeah, I think they've both been great. But the way those specifically, I always thought like a brilliant system was, and Shay, since you probably didn't play it, you might find this interesting from the musical aspect. The thing with the soundtrack in Devil May Cry 5 is the more you're comboing, the faster the tempo of the song that's playing picks up. I do like that. I do like that. That sounds cool. That sounds cool. All right, Rich, you get the pleasure of starting over again at the top. You ready? Yes. What is one of your top five indie games of all time? Five. Stardew Valley. Bam. Why? Uh, I think, and, and not to say this game isn't great because it is phenomenal, I think it hit me right place, right time. Um, I was working a job at the time. Ray was also working with me where uh, we had our laptops and did a lot of schoolwork there, and there was a lot of downtime. We were both working at a gas station together. Um. Mm-hmm. Collectively, him and I probably put about 400 hours each into Stardew Valley working that job. God damn. And I enjoyed every minute of it. And I like those life sims. Like, I'm going to talk about Baron Breakfast a little bit later that evokes some of that. When you have the downtime to do it, there's just something cathartic and enjoyable. It's another game that has a killer soundtrack. Um, that's what I do own on vinyl by accident. Shout out to Fan Gamer who sent it to me by accident and was like, keep it. Oh, that's nice. I ordered the, the Banjo-Kazooie vinyl from them. They sent me Stardew Valley, which was out of stock at the time. I emailed mm. them and was like, hey, Woo. you sent me Stardew Valley. And they're like, we're shipping you Banjo. Keep Stardew. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah, that's um, killer soundtrack. Just fun gameplay loop. Uh, a game that was shown a tremendous amount of love. Like, it's still... I put 400 hours in it, and it got so many content updates. There's probably hundreds of hours of content that I haven't seen. Um, Damn. Yeah. It's just... That game was a clear labor of love, and I just think it's so good and so delightful. And mm, yeah. in terms of, like, games that one person made, it really shows you that, like, that there's no limit to someone who is inventive enough to want to work in this medium. Right. Dope. I think that's a great answer because I know a lot of people yeah. love that game and yeah. that, love that series. Not series, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, he is working on a second game that feels like a I mean, it basically is a series at this point, considering 
that one game basically brought back the Harvest Moon like as as a genre. That it, is true. Yeah, it did revive the genre that was yeah. very dormant. That at was the time. basically dead before Stardew Valley came back, and that was. And that now was a we genre get those... I had a lot of love for, but just just completely died. And the funny thing is, like now most people will refer to that genre as like Stardew Valley like. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah, mm. it revived a genre that was definitely waning, and a genre I love. So no complaints on that front. Yeah, there's a mod That's in right. that game that replaces all the animals with Pokemon. It's pretty cool. <laughs> there you go, Josh. What is one of your top five indie games of all time? This is one of the hardest things ever because, like, it, it, anyone who listens Three. to the show knows that I'm. <laughs> the indie, I've already got my answer. I'm not stalling here. Um, okay. I'm just I'm just kind of prefacing this because I I know, but I'm trying to prevent the preface. No, 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 no. no. Like, I figured this out while Rich again during the five seconds. There's yeah. there's infinite games this could be because there are so many games I absolutely adore from here. I mean, frankly, you could almost consider Katamari Damacy an indie game at the time the way it was produced. It like, was sold for thirty dollars too. It wasn't full was, retail price. I think it was twenty dollars. I think they released it for oh, twenty dollars no, at, at launch. It might have been like twenty five. I remember it being yeah. a weird. I remember having to go to multiple GameStops just to track down a copy of that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was, it was. That was indie before we knew what indie was. Yeah, that's not my answer. That that probably is one of my favorites. But that again, didn't think about it at the time because I'm 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 not cheating here. My favorite indie game. This guy likes to talk about it. He's not cheating. I'm not. Again, again, I'm trying to do this fairly. By, what of your by, top five? By thinking of my answer in the fight. My favorite indie game is Crosscode. Whoa! I thought I, you were going to say Hollow Knight because it's on your shirt. but Hollow Knight is excellent. I absolutely adore Hollow Knight. That is either the first or second... Five, dark souls like like I, I i'm still a huge huge fan of the original dark souls like i know a lot of people have kind of moved on from there but i think the original dark souls kind of did that better than my anyone, my original anyone ever has but my original joke was i was gonna say dark souls dark souls yeah it's, it's my almost, favorite indie game is dark souls that's yeah but but crosscode is Some of the best storytelling, some of the best music, some of the best art, some of the best combat design, some of the best mm-hmm. level design, like mm-hmm. just breaking everything down into constituent parts. It is top fucking tier across the board um, compared to anybody, anybody who's doing anything in, in the gaming space. Uh, and I, I absolutely adore cross code um just just yeah. one i i i love that game and I, I finally you're getting around to it which i'm excited to hear you talking about it later on this episode but that that is and this this is such this is such a indie is such a massive category here that like that's yeah the that's a bigger that category than favorite triple a honestly because no, just it is. the, the it absolute is. breadth there is especially for us insane um I think it's crosscode. Like I like that was again, that was the That's first thing that came to mind. Five, yeah. And even even with everything else, like just thinking about it longer, it's it's I think it's still crosscode. I I love that game. Like every, everything about that game is so so excellent that I, mm. I, I really do think it's one of 
there are a lot of indie games that like, oh, this is just, it's not going to break into something that should be, you know, experienced across the board. Like, oh, you need to see this. Like there, there are a few games here and there, like you should play Super Meat Boy, like to, to understand what's going on. You should play Spelunky to know how indie games have affected the industry as a whole. I think you should play cross code because of whether, whether it's a huge impact on the industry as a whole, it is just that good on its own merits that whether or not anyone else is affected by it, you need to have seen this to to understand what you can do in the medium. Yeah. You should watch indie game, the movie so you can see Jonathan blow be sad. I mean that's that's worth seeing just because he was really disappointed in Soldier Boy. I yeah, think I you think you brought that up every fucking week. In I, I I will never not think about that, Jay. It's hilarious. <laughs> it is. It is really good. It, it's it's really um, good. I'm I'm gonna refrain from going in with you on Crosscode, Josh, just simply because we're gonna be talking about it later, obviously. But I can see why it's your pick as one of your top I, I, five. Again, I. Fez and Tunic would probably be my next two. What like had I thought about it longer? Mm. Possibly I could see myself Fez, Tunic, and Hyperlight Drifter are probably gonna be my but like are are the the rest of them that would be in contention. When I played yeah. Crosscode, I was just like, oh, is this that Westworld everyone's been talking about? <laughs> right. Um you know, when when I gave Ritz the five seconds, I was also trying to think in that first five seconds. And the first one that popped in my mind, it's not the top, but it's one of the top five for me, is uh, Hotline Miami. That's a good uh, one. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. that game is something that uh, is a game that has just resonated with me for a long time. Um, I really enjoyed the top down ultra violence of it. Uh, obviously, that's the initial layer of to yeah, which it's exciting. I like the different mask system. Um, that mm-hmm. kind of affects the combat. Mm-hmm. And as you get further into the layers, obviously, um, the soundtrack in is phenomenal. Um, that That is really, I think, what kind of started the whole synthwave and dark wave into the mainstream was that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's Definitely that's something, a contributing factor. That's, uh, uh, when we're talking about the soundtrack thing, that's something that honestly, I think, a lot of the early indie games did not have the budget to pay for for a soundtrack and there was a lot mm. of indie and or um creative commons music that got discovered by that first wave of indie games where the right. money was not there to pay for a soundtrack the uh, the soundtrack to braid is almost entirely creative commons music and it's mm. great it's it's excellent. It's excellent. Like there's not a piece there that feels like it's out of place. It's really good. Uh, um, like like you said, um, Hotline Miami did similar things. A lot of those are indie bands that were you know paid them what we you know what they could in order to get yeah. that soundtrack put together. But that was that- those were not popular bands until that soundtrack came together and kind of put oh, this for sure sound into the you know kind of general consciousness for sure one of the artists from that uh soundtrack that i think about that i actually discovered through that soundtrack that i think is huge now in the synth wave and dark wave uh spaces is uh, carpenter brute which was yeah. originally um 
a guy who played in bands and stuff, and then he decided to embark on synthwave as kind of his next musical journey. And I think he he was discovered by a lot of people through that soundtrack, um, Hotline Miami soundtrack. And then as you get further into the game, obviously it has this very weird, dark story that um, I think it takes multiple playthroughs to kind of fully understand what the hell is going on in that story. Yeah. And it takes a lot of just sitting down and picking it apart in some ways. So yeah, I, I, I really love that game a lot. Um, I like you guys, I, I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. What? Like there's so many games I could put in here. Like Orion, will of the wisps is one. It can fell is one. Um, yep. I could see eastward going in there. Um, hell yeah. There's so many games. Speaking of it can fell. Ivy just released her first solo album. I mean, solo slash still mastered it, but like yeah. her first solo album, I think just released today as we're recording oh, this. Don't. It's really don't. good again. And, and she's the, she's the piano player of the duo. Um, and it's, it's a really, really good album. So if, if you've not, cool. if you've not listened to that, look, look up, you know, Ivy, but, but AI V I can't, I. Remember, I can't, is it I, A-I-V-I. is it I? I couldn't remember yeah, if it was an I or a Y to, to end the... the yeah, Ivy yeah. and Surashu. Yeah, yeah. 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 Excellent, excellent. Yeah. It's a really, really good new album, but with, with more of a focus on the piano instead of the sort of synth uh, and, and chiptune stylings that, that Slash is more into. Okay. I'll definitely have to check that out, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, so I, it's Tiger and Water is the name of the album that she just okay. released. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. Well, shout out to Ivy for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she appreciates the shout out right back. Um, yeah. Well, let's move on to the next question. Josh, you have the pleasure of going first on this one. So, so you know, I can't cheat this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What is one of your top five best video game villains of all time? Ooh, five, I, I got this one immediately. Four, oh, that's good. Three, two, one, go. Kefka. Nice. I, 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 there are so many great villains, but like, there are, you say video game villain. If your mind doesn't immediately go to Kefka, it's cause you've not experienced it. If it's cause you've not played final fantasy six. Oh, you're going to learn why mine doesn't like Kefka's number two. Baby. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. But like, that's like, I know there are better video game villains, but like that, He's such. In a lot of ways, he's kind of what the Joker wishes he was, as far as like an actual, you know, complete character that that mm. is this completely up his own ass and well, and, we say, and we devoted say that now. to we gotta, chaos. We gotta wait for the Joker sequel, the musical. That's gonna be yeah, that sounds yeah. so fucking bad. Why is this movie being made? Again, oh I God. was completely oh. against it being made until I heard it was a musical. That's the that's Same. the only thing well, actually that maybe has the silver lining. It. You're like, oh, this will ruin any argument anyone had that the first one was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, oh my goodness. Um Kefka's a great choice though. I yeah, yes. no, I I love Kefka. He's he's really I mean, there's, there's a, everyone jokes about in not just Final Fantasy, but every JRPG about how the final 
bad guy is just God. Like in, in all of them, it's just Atypically. God. Um, but, um, Kafka is, I, I think, the first time in the Final Fantasy games and the best they've done it as, as far as making a villain who is just sexy only only devoted to his own power that that that's it like there's there's nothing else even remotely considered as as a, as 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 a worth consideration to to his plans like period hmm. it's power is the only thing kafka cares about and he's crazy but that's kind of it, it. It's less of a oh, he's just crazy and wants to do. It's the point is he is completely one hundred percent authoritarian to a fault. Like there's mm. he he doesn't take advice from anyone. He has a lot of trusted generals. As long as they get results, is kind of his whole motivation, right? Um. Like he's he's at the beginning of the game. Kefka is not the big bad. He's mm. he is working under the emperor for the big bad guys, but he is only concerned with gaining more power. Even even starting the game out as, you know, someone serving big air quotes there serving the emperor as far as taking over the world at that point but he mm. is so power mad so completely self-centered and narcissistic it, he, he I, I i love kefka kefka is just such a great character and like narratively well thought it, out yeah exactly well thought out like it's it's not just that He's just this big, you know, evil for no reason character. He is obviously someone who in this world feels like he's just been stepped on for this long, but is taking advantage of the emperor controlling the world to further his own ends. And Mm. then, you know, take control from even within that system and end up destroying the entire planet. It's, it's, he's so good. It's so good. Um, oddly, oddly prescient to this day, considering, um, prescient. Yeah. It's Kefka. Kefka is top tier video game villain period. 100%. Um, I think that's a great choice for one of, one of my top five. I would say it's Ellie from the last of us two. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I like it. I like it. Uh, you mean Joel? Well, both, really. <laughs> Everybody in the game. My favorite villain's that golf club. I almost said that, but I made that joke before, so I was like, I gotta get a different joke. No, um, uh, this one's obvious for me. Uh, one of my top five is Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna cite the original oh, that's one. Good, that's not, good, Yeah, Not the remake. Um, because that original, like, you had this mysterious character yes this very emotional character but you didn't know what the fuck was going on like he was such a you didn't even see him for the whole first disc 
Yeah, and he's just this mythological... Some argue you never see him. He's this mythological character where everybody's talking about, he's fucking powerful, he's deadly. And, like, when when people are getting slain in the Shinra Tower, they're like, who the fuck is this? And you're just, like, you're going through floor after floor, hallway after hallway, just seeing blood streaked through this tower, which is Trail of blood that tracks slaps. It's... Oh, my God. Hey, yes, that, that track is great, but just... The way he's introduced is one of the scariest. Like that's 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 something games have a hard time with, I think, lately. And there's there's been a revival of horror games that that definitely scare you without tipping their hand. The mm. like don't show the monster. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. But like especially in Final Fantasy VII, he is terrifying. Yeah, when you're in the in shooter the tower. Yeah, and in the original. That's that's one of the best parts about the game. And honestly, we never really talked about it in the remake. I think mm-hmm. they do such a shitty job of introducing Sephiroth in the yeah, remake, and I what? understand why they're doing yeah. it. It's a completely it's, different style. Yeah, he's not of scary at all. When when you think about it, it's even past the tower because you just hear about Sephiroth and then you see him in flashbacks. But what always sticks to me is like one of the other like you spend a good portion of that game on Seth- Sephiroth's trail and yes. I always think when you're crossing the marshlands and there's that snake monster that will like destroy you if you encounter it yeah. and then when you get to the cave entrance you just see it yeah, impaled on a just... tree and Cloud's like oh Sephiroth's been yeah, through like, here. Mechanically mechanically this enemy that would fucking waste you has just gotten his shit kicked in by this single man yeah yeah like, and and I, I, I again I, I I don't think they did a bad job with the with the remake because they're they're doing a different thing with Sephiroth. You should know the story at this point. Uh, the the point they're really trying to get across in the remake is more that Cloud is haunted by Sephiroth, and you see a mm. whole lot more of these just you know fiery scenes of Sephiroth just causing destruction that that cloud is haunted by um and there, there's a whole lot more that's it's it, it's really more about him than about you know making you terrified of sephiroth on his own merits it's for it's, sure yeah for sure i would i would say that like i probably misspoke a little bit on that i think it's shitty compared to the original oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's rolled out in the original if if you have the the context of both i think that's kind of what makes the remake work but i think just kind of judging them own on their own merits oh yeah the original is so much better of an introduction to that character yeah yeah, I like. I even think that having the knowledge of the original is kind of a double-edged sword because you you know what they're trying to go for and you can accept and appreciate it, but also because you have that knowledge of the oh, original, right. you're like, why is it not as good as this? Yeah, you know? um, yeah, yeah. But no, that the thing is like one of the one of the deciding factors for me when I chose him or I just thought about him is he has three fucking phases at the end of the game and it's some. Unless you have one particular item in the game, which or materia, is one of the most difficult boss fights of all time. I think still to this day. Yeah. Um. He's yeah. It's a great boss fight. He's a great really character. Good. There's so much to like about him as a video game villain. So. Yeah. Um. 
I'll leave it at that. Rich, what is Easy one of your top five? Answer Luca Blight from Sakodin 2. Um, okay. Luca Blight. I have no, no context. Okay, I'm going to give you context because Luca Blight is, is hands down my favorite video game villain ever. I wrote a really long article about this for Destructoid years ago about how amazing Luca Blight is. He is, to me, he's very Kefka adjacent, but. In, in the same way that Kefka is established to, like, be a non-sympathetic character, they go through great deals of it with Luca Blight. He's referred to as the Mad Prince. He literally sets the actions of Sakodin 2. Like, he initiates the entire conflict. There are two nations in Sakodin 2 that have a ceasefire. Luca Blight seizes power in Highlands and then murders the neighboring nation's youth brigade. Not full-grown soldiers, the children. Just massacres them to start this conflict. Um, there's a whole sequence when you meet him pretty early on where he's burning a village to the ground and he makes a woman get on all fours and squeal like a pig. Jesus. Um, and I feel like it doesn't really, they never do the atypical JRPG thing of like, actually, he's some ancient deity. He's just a fucking psychopath who's just trying to quench his own bloodlust. Like when you eventually fight him it takes three full parties of characters to take him down that's a total of 18 characters to fight luca blight um there's a system in sakodin where there's a lot of times there's duels which are one-on-one combat scenarios so at one point the main character is forced to duel luca blight and the only thing you can do you cannot win the fight you have to defend every turn or you die like he's just he's this insane powerhouse he has no rhyme or he much like josh was saying about kefka he just wants more power but it's not even necessarily like the power satiates him he just wants to kill so like true psychopath yes. i like that yeah i like that i like that again mirrors kind of a current day modern situation yeah i don't know anyone like that me neither not a single person nope can't think of anybody um, well, that's a great answer. I think I wish I had more context so I could discuss it more deeply with you, but that sounds like a fantastic <laughs> choice. Here, here's a link. Here's some context. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, context, this, sir. The final one, um, e- the final question is one that doesn't need to pertain to video gaming. If it does, that's fine. That's up to you guys. Um, what is and then I'm going to start with you. Uh, no, I'm going to start with myself. Excuse me. <clears throat> I forgot. I'm the last one. So what is one of your top five memories of all time just in your lives? And I think this is a good way for episode 300 for memories. people to get to know us a little bit better. Okay. What is one of your top five memories? <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, I can't Google this. <laughs> you're right. So I'm going to go with uh, my four years ago. I, I took a eight day, seven night trip to Okinawa. I'm just going to count that as one of my top five memories of all time because, uh, you know, it was my first within my first year of being out of country, um, actually living out of the U.S. besides Australia for a very short amount of time. And I just I never kind of like orchestrated a trip like that of that magnitude by myself. Mm. You know, I booked everything. I planned everything out. And I just had such a good time. Uh, I got to see the inspiration of like the architecture of Final Fantasy X, which I've talked about years ago on this podcast. Um, 
I got to go to this just breathtakingly beautiful place for eight days. I got to go scuba diving in some of the most beautiful areas, lay on some of the most beautiful beaches, eat some delicious food, meet some incredible friends um, there that I had never known before. There was just so many different cool things I did there that um, I still think about it all the time. And I want to go back to Okinawa. I I would love to live there if I could uh, make that happen, which I will hopefully sometime in the future. Yeah, there's there's so much to like about Okinawa. And the fact that um, I actually got to go there is just fucking incredible to me. So that's definitely one of my favorite memories of all time. I, I think about that trip a lot. So, uh, Rich, what is one of your top five memories of all time? So I'm going to count like a, a period of time here because it's something I get. I look back on rather fondly of I want to say it was the summer after my like junior year of college because I took that following semester of my senior year of college off where I just kind of like was like I'm going to start late and just relax a little bit before I like buckle down and have to try um and I just I did a lot of traveling that summer I spent a lot of time with a lot of people who are still like some of my closest friends in the world it was just I wasn't stressed out. I didn't have a ton of things to worry about. And it was just a good summer that sticks out in my head as like carefree and fun. And I didn't have as much gray then. Mm. I like that. I like that. Very just like chill, relaxed time. Not as much responsibility. Yeah. Not as much dread to think about every morning yeah it's a reminder for the kids that when people tell you high school is the happiest time of your life they're lying to you college is definitely one of yeah the best times if high school is if 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 anyone sorry if if i hope no one in high school listens to us because god we've 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 ruined your poor little malleable brains uh, you should be but, using condoms. It doesn't matter what we yes, say. Yes, yeah, definitely do that. That's that's the one thing we'll take uh, full credit for and, and should have. De- We've always wrap, said Wrap that, that shit up. Um, Especially but, now. But. Why? What's different now? If If anyone's telling you that high school are the best years of your lives, just fucking ignore everything that dipshit ever has to say to you. Just, just don't. Just don't. If, if high school is anyone's best year of their lives they've not figured out how to live life so so just just don't maybe maybe take advice from anyone fucking anyone else agreed i i will say you know it's weird teaching high school now rather than being in it because being in it fucking was terrible yeah not fun uh, mm-hmm. There are moments that were fun, but it's super stressful. Teaching it now, it's like, damn, what was so bad about high school? <laughs> but no, it's I, I can actually see why it it's, was it's like the one lack of, the most of freedom. Time. Not that we need to get into that. Like it's you're you're under a lot of stress, and you have virtually no freedom beyond that. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So, uh, Josh, go ahead and. Uh, <laughs> wrap it up uh what is one like of the top condom five joke. memories of all yeah. time um not wearing condoms when having sex that is a great, a great way to get a life a wife guys speaking speaking of speaking of advice you shouldn't take 
I just do feats of strength in town square. <laughs> That's how I'm working on getting away. Um, no, I, I, again, not video game related. And, and again, kind of formed a lot of my outlook on life in general. Mm. Was was as a kid, I I, I don't know, eight, ten ish, or somewhere somewhere around that, yeah point. I remember going fishing with the with my, with my sister and with my dad, and throwing out a cast and getting snagged in a tree. Um, but getting snagged in such a way that it was like halfway through the line, and I was snagged in a tree, but also. The hook was bouncing in and out of the water as I tried to pull this, try, try to get myself unstuck. And I remember catching a fish with that hook kind of bouncing in and out of the water while I was stuck in a tree, completely fuck all to do with catching fish at that point in my mind. I was trying to get out of the tree. Sure. Um, in there. And I, yeah, I remember. I, Catching a fish while I was just trying to fix some unrelated shit in my life is as that really affected me moving is forward. This, is this is a metaphor? No, no, literally, it is. It, that's a me, it's a <laughs> go, metaphor. No, no, this for is a literal life. thing that happened to me. It's all random. There's you, you can do things to affect your trajectory. But an awful lot of it has fuck all to do with your intentions, has fuck all to do with your execution even of living life. So just appreciate what you've got going on and and just deal with it. Like it's enjoy enjoy the things you can out of life because they're a gift. Like you honestly probably had very little to do with it even even if you were doing all the right things a lot of it's still luck Mm. and yeah like it's 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 important to realize whenever something good comes your way not to get too up your own ass about it like don't don't start sucking your own dick about something good that happened to you if I could, I'd never leave Something the house. Something bad could have just as well happened to you. Like this That's is this, right. This That's is, right. If you yeah. if you manage to fit your dick in your own ass, don't also try and suck it while putting your call head me up and there. tell me how you exactly. did exactly. You one at a fucking time. <laughs> exactly. One problem, and one solution at a time. Yeah, kids, yeah. it gets worse, doesn't it? But yeah, no. But, right. but but also, like kind of on, on the same lines. Enjoy what comes your way because yeah, like it it yeah. is it really is a gift. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Some of the best things in my life have happened because I wasn't planning or expecting it. It just happened. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm, like gonorrhea. Anyways, we're gonna take a quick uh <laughs> we're gonna take a break good times. <laughs> We're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back with gaming talk. Hopefully you enjoyed this uh, topic. Um, It was a lot of fun, I think, but we got to go on a break now. So we'll be right back. This Sunday, Sunday, at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping Arena, Sunday, Monster Truck Rally. That's right. 
There are gonna be lots of bitches, lots of big tough guys. Sunday, yours truly, down there at the Monster Truck Rally. And we're gonna be wearing Chop Gear. Store.swordshop.com. Store. You can buy lots of nice gear and t shirts, so when you fuck your bitch in the bleachers, you have something to look at. Raw dogging it. Oh, baby. No condoms, because we don't sell those yet. That's right, and if you look up at your sword chomp clock, you'll know how fast you came inside of her. <laughs> C-U-M. That's right. Here, let me tell you about my friend Dale. He's going to tell you more about the store.swordchomp.com. Dale, take it over. I tell you, I went on over to store.swordchomp.com, got myself a t-shirt, got myself a hat, got myself something for my dog. It's a good deal. That's right, Dale. That's right. So if you're interested in repping your favorite podcast while watching a bunch of trucks slam it into each other, head over to store.swordshop.com. Store.swordshop.com. This Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. I like titties. You know what? You know what's a really good place? The Chompcast, and we're back from our commercial break. Thank That's you so much. That's fucking wild. How the fuck did you do that? We're in the show again. Just right hey, back just in like there. The, just right back from the commercial break. It's crazy. How did we do that? Well, you don't get to know that, but what you do get to know are our thoughts of, and opinions on video games. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to talk about, first, the new roguelike mode in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which, uh, our correspondent, Rich Meister, is going to talk with about in more detail. Rich, uh, what do you got for us? I got some stuff for you. Um, so, you as, me, sport? as people might know, based off our past few episodes, because I touched on it a little bit, uh, now that it's like a sort of complete feeling game, I had been diving back into Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, picking at it slowly, enjoying it for what it's worth, but there was a big update that happened recently, and they added a new uh, roguelite mode that has some new unlockables that's pretty neat, honestly. Um, so basically what happens now is there is a new building in Ravensthorpe in your settlement. And the main concept is that this guy that came to live here, like his whole thing is he creates like these amazing replicas th from things people describe in their dreams. So it's basically being like, it's a way to get like crazy mythical gear back into the main game is sort of the juxtaposition for why it exists. Okay. Um, but much like in the other, you know, dream worlds of like Asgard and Jotunheim that exist in the main game, you're taking another serum and this time you are becoming Odin once again and stepping into Niflheim. And you are dropping in there looking for Land Odin's of the son. Niffles. Yes, where the Niflheims live. Mm -hmm. um, there are basically different stages to it in different biomes with different enemy types. And your loadout when you drop in every time is randomized and it's run based. Um, and as you fight your way through it, you can sort of clear rooms out and get chests and swap out gear, or upgrade your health. Um, the armor you wear when you're going into it is referred to as outfits, and it's like a complete loadout set. You're upgrading and unlocking new outfits for Odin. Uh, some of them are wild looking. The one I got, basically, I, my favorite one, I sent this to Ray to make sure I wasn't insane. I'm like, this is just Marvel's Black Knight. They're just whole cloth ceiling character ideas. I'm into this. Um, but it, it, it's interesting because it really steps up the combat in an interesting way. It forces you to play in ways you might typically not. Um, 
I haven't sunk a ton of time into it yet, but I got I beat the first boss in this roguelite mode, which is a big ass fucking wolf. And there is Good a job. story going through it, like you are stepping back into that Asgardian story as Odin, and you are traveling through Nivelheim in an attempt to save Baldur from hell. Uh, so I'll see where that stuff ends up going. But the like, it's quick and snappy and easy to jump into. It's the most fun I've had with the straight combat in this game because, again, it kind of forces you out of your comfort zone and is like, sorry, you're starting with a fucking, you're starting with two shields. Figure it out. <laughs> and like, there's there's something fun about that. Is just trying different things and combos you might have not thought of, and do bow types you don't normally work with. Okay. Um, it's interesting and it's it's a lot of fun, honestly. Would you say it's better than the core gameplay? Um, I think it is the best way to show off the combat and what works about the combat. Like, I don't know if whole cloth it's better than the full game, but it is definitely an interesting addition that makes you experiment with the abilities and the combat yeah. in a way you normally wouldn't. Okay. Hey, I fair. do like they're focusing more on the RPG combat build aspect of it because that's and when frankly say, something that's been kind of weak in the last few games is the whole oh you're playing a stealth game plus there's rpg type gear and and shit like that stops you from actually doing stealth kills and when i tell you your loadout time. is random i don't mean just your what like the, the abilities you start with are random as well okay that's cool i like that's that cool I will say that sounds more interesting than most of the core gameplay I played when I played that game on launch. I think that that gameplay has gotten better, and I I talked about this last time we discussed it, which is more so because of how the minutia of how you can tweak it now. Like, you can change combat uh, difficulty and stealth difficulty separately from each other. And I think that was a big game changer for making this game feel good again. Um, I also think that France expansion brought it back to being an Assassin's Creed game in a way that felt marred with the uh, the RPG stuff in a way that made sense. And if if the stuff they're putting out going forward feels more like the changes they started to try and make post-launch to this game, then I think they might be in a good place again. That's good to hear. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that they're making that game better because... Uh, yeah. And you don't need the latest expansion for this. This is a free content update to anybody who has the game, this particular that's, mode. That's cool. Important, I know. Good. Well, thanks for detailing that, Rich. Yeah, um, no problem. I won't go into too much detail. I wanted to briefly talk about Tunic because I started it right before I went on vacation. I went through Game Pass and I was like, what can I play on my downtime right before I leave? Which I didn't have a lot, but I had some downtime. And I was like, what do, what do I start my summer off with? And Tunic was there and I was like, you know what? I need to play this. Um, recent, recent enough game. And I'm really both glad and frustrated that I started it right before vacation (laughs) because I got fairly far into the game before I left for vacation, but at the same time I didn't finish it. So I got far and then Mm -hmm. I had to wait for two plus weeks to play more of the game, which I haven't been able to yet because I've been recovering from traveling abroad, but um, I gotta say I really love this game. I love the approach of a modern Zelda game that has the sensibilities yeah. of modernism with the typical difficulty of a Zelda game. I really like, um, I really like the kind of mythos that's uh, happening in the game with the the foxes, and you're trying to figure out what 
what is happening there, you know, because you're finding all these fox statues and you're talking with this fox spirit that brings you back to life if you die. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, you're trying to figure out what is happening, why foxes are so pertinent in this world, which kind of adds an additional layer to the, the core Zelda gameplay there. You know, I, I think that's really cool. Um, I really like the fact that the checkpoint systems are a little bit more forgiving than a typical Zelda game in some ways. Um, But it's also such a different beast. Like, it's borrowing a lot from that, but it really is its own thing in a lot of ways. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a game that seems like it's going to be fairly light going into it, and then just, like, there's a lot going on under the surface. Yeah, and it doesn't, yeah. It like, doesn't draw attention to most exactly. Of it. Like you'll 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 be just kind of cruising along and think, oh oh, what what what's this about? And it'll kind of push you off into a slightly deeper end. Like oh, that's cool. Like oh, there's 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 this all other stuff going on, but then that's also just like kind of another on ramp to something even deeper. Is kind of the way that game is kind of structured. So I I, I kind of feel that whole. Oh, I, I want to get into this and then running out of time thing because you can you can kind of feel like you just got kind of left with like a million questions if you if you don't finish it by the time you're uh, you're done with the experience. Yeah, I think I think you're talking about something that I think is the best part about this game, and I think it's what makes it the most modern. Is you think about older games like the original Zelda, Final Fantasy VII, like those era of games. And they put the onus, the creators put the onus on the player to come into the game with an open mind and a willingness to explore. Like, you find what you look for. You find what you seek. And if you don't find it, it doesn't mean that it particularly hampers the gameplay experience, but you are definitely missing out, and that's all on you. Where this game puts the onus on themselves to pique your interest to find everything. And the way they do that yeah. is by finding the game manual pages, which is one of the coolest collectibles ever. It's and I so know, Josh, I know how much you like that, obviously. Yeah. Um, but once you start finding those pages, you start finding secrets within those, those, those uh, g- game manual pages. And you don't have to go find them. It's not a requirement. It certainly helps, especially with you finding things like the world map and the area maps for each place you go to. Those, I would say, are borderline essential not as like 100 percent, but borderline but the other pages that you find will explain or give you hints at certain secrets within the game and yeah they're putting the onus on themselves to say hey let's pique your interest find these pages which is a secret first and then once you find them you start discovering their little secrets that you don't have to know the alternate language in order to discover some of those but then the alternate language is in there or the language that was developed for the game and if you can decipher that which you can go check at sarchomp.com articles (laughs) yeah even further there are more secrets and it's just like there are layers upon layers yes yes there's 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 a good opening half to the game that you it's complete completely ignorable if if you really want to like oh i'm i i'm i i don't care about any secrets i'm just let's just play the game let's 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 
I'm not I'm not interested in the lore. I'm not interested in any secrets in here. Let's just play the game. And then about halfway through, they definitely kind of give you a wall where it's like you, you kind of have to care about a little bit of it, a tiny bit of it, um, right. in order to at that point even figure out what you're doing anymore because you mm. you really do about halfway through kind of hit this moment where there's no clear path forward from this point on and uh you can brute force your way through it and just kind of explore find out what is even accessible at this point if you really wanted to and you'll 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 make your way through the game but they really do kind of about halfway through really emphasize have have you looked at this manual we've been giving you this stuff take a like, gander there's, there's there's stuff going on here maybe maybe you should uh you know look into a little bit of that right um, yeah i'm yeah. i'm curious how it's going to be being two plus weeks removed trying to jump back in because i think that's about the point i'm at is that halfway yeah. point. So it's going to be interesting. Honest, to honestly, that's that. probably a pretty good spot to come back into it because uh, at that point, there's an awful lot of like, okay, let's, let's look a little bit more closely at this manual. What have I missed? Because there, there probably is a lot you've missed at that point because there's a lot going on. And even if you don't translate anything, there's still a lot you can glean just from taking a second look at stuff that you thought was like, Oh, this is pretty straightforward, but maybe there's more information no, here. You're right. And like one of the things I was starting to do before I went on vacation was like take a second pass over some of the areas that I went to at the very beginning of the game saying like what yeah. did I miss here? Yeah. Like with my the abilities and stuff that I have now, what what do I have access to now? Um I was able to do that a little bit before yeah. I left, so. Um I really like the art style in this game a ton it's uh very cute and endearing mm -hmm. uh even some of the enemies are really cute like the in initial blob characters i think are cute um i love that yeah so i've really enjoyed the game so far i'm trying to you know kind of reserve some thoughts until i get to the back half of the game and finish that but i've really enjoyed my time with it and i want to see you know with what little story there is where it ends up going and I'm sure it's going to be a satisf satisfying conclusion to what happens at the end of the game. So. Yeah. Totally. Leave it at that. Uh, Josh, you've been playing Frogun more, it seems like. I have. I have. I, this is actually a game that came out this week. He's a frog. He's a gun. Exactly. Um, I've been kind of looking at this for a while. It is, you know, just, just kind of following the devs from... Uh, you know, screenshots and stuff they've shown so far that it's been really charming because it just looks like a very PS1 N64 era style mm. platformer sort of a vibe Definitely. that it's got to it. But anyway, you are playing as Renata, a young girl whose archaeologist parents left one day to, to go explore some ruins and didn't come back. And well, I've, I've got to go find them now. Um, We've all and been so there. you've you've taken their invention or sla I don't I I can't remember if they said invention or if it was something they found like another it's thing. A, but it's, it's a frog. But it's a they frog found a devil fruit too. Gun. Uh that is basically basically a hook shot sort of a sort of a thing. Um 
And uh, kind of coming into it, there was a lot of talk about it being, oh, it's collectathon platformer type of a type of a deal from from early mm. on. Um, but um, kind of my take on it coming into it, not really kind of judging it on those merits. It's it's way more of a Captain Toad sort of like uh, so, sort of a deal where it's oh the way- treasure tracker. Yeah, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, which is another explore stuff, collect all the stuff. That one, that one is way more of a uh, more of a puzzle game than anything is with Captain pu- Toad. Puzzle game slash exploration. Like, okay, I, I, I've got this. D- does it use that like same puzzle idea to... box type of a, a feeling? That it's, That's it's what I was gonna ask. Is it is it about manipulating the level itself in the same way Captain Toad? It's Tone less is? about that than it is about exploring the world and, and and finding stuff. Um, it's you can jump in this, and again, it's frog gun. You've got you've got a little gun that shoots out a tongue that'll then either pull stuff towards you or or pull you towards stuff as, as a conceit. So there there sure. is more platforming than captain toad but it is very much that sort of feeling of a way less mechanically intensive type of a, a pl- you know platforming game than it uh, is sort captain of captain toads feel levels feel more dense than they do yes long, and this and, and this is very that. much that um you're given a level that is kind of get to the end um Sort of a sort of a thing with a bunch of other sub objectives from there, sort of like Captain Toad, uh, like get to the end without dying, get to the end in a certain amount of time, collect everything, and then there's like a, a variety of all the everything's, all the coins, all the you know, there there's usually a like a harder sub area that you can get to that has a uh, like a hidden obsidian skull thing in it, or or like emerald jewels that are you know in the level but much more hidden you've got to, you've got to look around everywhere to find them it's 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 very much more in that captain toad sort of pay attention to everything like look around pay attention to where you could possibly go given your very limited move set in order to uh to get through here um and that's that's honestly something i've kind of missed like cap captain toad kind of felt unique for a while like it, it, i i i really enjoyed that and that's something that i god we could use a captain toad 3 right um <laughs> and this is really scratching that itch for me um i've 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 really been enjoying it this has been um just 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 lots of fun like it feels i've honestly i've probably been speed running it a bit more than most people would just because I, i'm coming off of neon white still where there's there's an awful lot of stuff that is you, you've got a very limited move set in this game but they give you just enough to break st- to break things and like it's really fun to find new ways through these levels in order to get those uh uh like, like I was talking about the 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 beat the level in X amount of time. Frankly, I've I've kind of smoked a lot of those by using those 
you know, sequence breaking things uh, to to get through it. It's it's I I'm really loving this game. Uh, it's it's really charming, kind of on its own merits without breaking any of it. But it's it's really got that feeling of exploration and just kind of just just playing with a toy. It's got that puzzle box feeling that Captain Toad really has. And then I've I've really I've I've seen a lot of reviews of this so far that are kind of taking it on like old school collectathon type platformer merits and are kind of thinking, oh, this is this is really simple. It's overly simple. Uh and yes, it it really is compared to something like, you know, Spyro or or Mario 64. But I, I don't think that's what this game is going for. It really feels like it's inspired a whole lot more by Captain Toad and that sort of puzzle box limited move set, but much more about a deep understanding of the level itself um, in order to do what you want on, on a run through a level. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's got to be nostalgic in some ways that you. Yeah, yeah, expect. yeah. I mean, it's not that old for for Captain Toad, but that is that is one of my favorite things to come out of the Wii U era was the Captain Toad game. Like that's it's such a cool concept for for that style of you know collect everything gameplay. I I think that was really something special that came out of that era, and I, I'm I'm really enjoying. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but at least. Mm. To my mind, it's definitely scratching the same edge, so I'm I'm really enjoying it. That's cool. Hell yeah! I it looks fun to say the least. Oh yeah, the the characters are super charming. Again, it's got that chunky, uh, you know, low poly, but also really low, you know, pixel count for the textures on that low poly PS one era aesthetic to it. It's, it's, it's ridiculously charming. Renata is such a fun character. Um, Mm. it like, you can, you can just fall off the level, just like whatever here and there. But a lot of times they'll have like, Oh, there's water here. And, and having Renata like fall into the water and then just kind of lay there on her back. Cause she doesn't know how to swim, but just floating in the water is it's, it's, it's funny and it's charming. Uh, and it's, 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 it's really cool. Um, I've, I've, I've been kind of, I've been enjoying the game aesthetically on top of the, the gameplay. It's that it's been scratching for me. So cool. That sounds fun. Um, Let's see. The next game we're going to be talking about is Bear and Breakfast. It's a game that that was showing off earlier this year, I believe, at the, um, what is it called? The not feel good at at the Naughty 3 event. Cozy? No, there's a specific, uh, there's a specific term for it. It's not like feel good games. It's not cozy games. Feel bad games? (laughs) <laughs> feel average games now rich go ahead and detail that like tell, tell yeah. us about the game and i'm gonna I'll, look I'll it up i'll have it for quick. you in five seconds because my brain is also completely 
missing this so as well, uh yeah baron breakfast is a management sim wholesome games wholesome games wholesome games, games. Wholesome games. and baron breakfast is wholesome baby uh baron breakfast is a management sim where you play as a bear running a series of bed and breakfasts um i got about four hours into it so far i really fucking like it uh it's just got a hell of a look so basically this the setup for the game is you're playing as this bear hank um and your mom sends you and your buddies out of, like, for the first time, you're leaving this sort of safe area of this encampment. She needs you to go find, like, a certain medicinal herb or something, whatever. Like, the setup for you to leave is you go and you find this old derelict building, and you also find this kiosk that has a shark, uh, Im- some shark imagery on it, and the shark becomes, like, a staple through it. Because, basically, it's an automated kiosk for this corporation that is basically, like, Airbnb. <laughs> And you end up utilizing it, and the main through line is that you are taking these old derelict buildings and fixing them up into places uh, where people can come and stay to drive tourism back to uh, your the woods and like bring bring humans back. And what I okay. think is one of the funniest aspects is so you can steal their picnic baskets. No, it's not quite. It's actually funnier than that. I think. Okay. One of the main currencies of Baron Breakfast is garbage, so you need to <laughs> okay. bring humans back so you can pick up their litter and use it as money. Perfect. Um, <laughs> but like there, it it's way more management sim than I think I first expected, and I really like it for that. Um. So basically, as you complete these missions for these different areas, and there's a bunch of different areas in the overworld where you'll be able to fix up different buildings and renovate them into uh, bed and breakfasts. And the first one is just like the simple rundown shack. And you can separate it into different rooms. Different room types have different criteria, like a bedroom must be this size. If you increase it to a certain bigger size, it becomes a level two bedroom. And every room and every building has different stats, like comfort, uh, beauty, um... In later buildings, the first one doesn't matter because I believe it has an outhouse. Um, you need to make sure there are bathrooms. And all these stats end up balancing each other out because when you're booking guests, and there is a book you go in to book people for, people have a certain required, like, they need it to be this comfortable and this beautiful, and this is, like, their hygiene standard. And if you're not meeting those requirements, you're going to get a bad review. And you want to keep bumping the reviews to attract more guests, and the better you do the higher the standards of the people coming in are going to be. Um, and eventually okay. it goes as far as, and this is kind of what I'm getting into with the hour I'm at now, is there's a cooking mechanic, and if for bigger buildings you have to build dining rooms and you have to build kitchens to meet like these new stats that keep constantly getting brought in. Um, bathrooms, for example, have this great effect that I love, which is you need to have a bathroom within a certain radius of guest rooms to meet X hygiene standard. But when bathrooms are close to bedrooms, it also brings down the overall beauty standard. <laughs> huh. Okay. Um, so, like, and, and I found very quickly in my first building, I had one bathroom and about, and about five guest rooms. And I was starting to get bad reviews because I would watch my guests and at night they would get up to use the bathroom and it would be locked because someone else was in there. So I'm like, oh, fuck, we need a separate, we need a second bathroom in this B&B. Um, and it just it starts very simple and it kind of is a little bit slow going in its early hours, I think, because of that. But there's it it's out of necessity. There's so many mechanics and new things I'm still learning that it really needs to tease them out slowly to you. Yeah. And make sure you have an understanding of 
Okay, you get how the bedrooms are working and the stats, you need to bump up with that. So now we're going to introduce this new type of room and that's going to completely shake up how things are done. Okay. Okay. I'm kind of curious. Hmm. Ha- <clears throat> a lot of this is sounding like Two Point Hospital to me. It's got a lot of that uh, DNA uh, in it. Yeah, a lot more of that, you know... Way more of that DNA than the 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 kind of original Stardew feeling I was getting from the original announcement of it. The um, elements of that I think are more almost like Animal Crossing and how charming some of the characters are. Yeah. Um, but it is de- I think it is one hundred percent more Two Point Hospital than uh, Stardew Valley. It is a management okay. sim at okay. its heart. It's a good one, but it is a management sim. All right. I'm I'm kind of curious how that shakes out long term because that was one of the things that I think Two Point Hospital kind of had a hard time with. Two Point Hospital's excellent to begin with, but then like halfway through the game you start realizing that every new disease you get is not really giving you a new puzzle. It's just the same puzzle but slightly like a, a, well, you know, you need this, a different room to at this, to accomplish, yeah. you know. At, at my current like point, they keep introducing enough mechanics and it seems based off things I have already seen from, like, preview images and stuff. Yeah. There's a ton more stuff still coming, and they tease it out at kind of the right interval to keep you engaged and keep you wanting to go, well, now I need to try this new thing and see how this is going to work. Okay. There's also other things you're fixing up in the world, like there are, like, monuments and things you fix up, and those will boost how many guest requests you get a day to a certain location because now there's not just a bed and breakfast, there's things to see and things to do in the area. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. The main merchant is a possum who sells you things he finds in the dumpster. Perfect. I'm sorry, he's a raccoon, and his name is Took, and I think he's supposed to be a Tom Nook joke, like, very very yes, clearly yes, that. Yes, yes. He's rude, and he lives in a dumpster, uh, but he's the like Tom you Nook do. of this adventure. In this day and age, how can you afford anything else but living in a dumpster? I mean, I know, I know for sure I can't. Um, the, the human characters also might be one of my favorite things because there's a few human merchants and there's one, for example, the park ranger who makes it clear that she speaks bear and understands everything you're saying. But there are plenty of other ones who just like kind of pick up on what you're saying based off like your tone and it'll be like disgruntled bear noises and they'll be like, I see. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That's cute. I think I'm gonna have to check that out at some point before the year is done. Yeah, it is It is definitely a nifty game. It's got a really great art style, and it's just one of those games I'm going to probably lose myself in for a little bit. I think it's only on Steam right now. Um, I think so. I think so. It's, it's $20. Uh, it, I could see this coming to Switch at one point, and it probably would be good there, but so much of like the building setup is very mouse and keyboard friendly. Like I don't yeah. know. It's I one mean, of the same things. I mean, that could work with- it could work. I just don't think it would be the optimal. Like I wouldn't Switch, enjoy it as Switch much. Switch is one of those things where it seems like it's hard to get certification for, unless you kind of have a little weight to throw around. Because there are quite a few games that work really well with the touch screen. That, frankly, the touch screen is almost completely ignored on the switch a lot of the time yes it um, is other other than here and there 
on their first party games they're like oh yeah like we we should totally use that thing with stuff like mario maker um and 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 the like that this this seems like a natural fit for that like just just <laughs> let let people use that touchscreen optimally make it something that works in handheld and go from there um mm-hmm. yeah mm. fair enough all right well we have a few more games to talk about here um i'm going to talk about crosscode now this is a game that came out back in 2018 which is why i never heard of it yeah me neither so i put it at the back end because it is an older game but uh a fantastic one at that i decided to buy it on my switch um i've been wanting to play this game for a while and since i knew i was going to be having heavy plane flights and heavy layovers that i figured what better time to play this game than now Oh, and uh, I'm really glad I bought it on the Switch. It's a perfect game for starting and stopping, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. like I have been doing. But I, we talked about this game back in 2018 when it first came out. Uh, made some of our game of the year categories lists during that year, and um, obviously Josh has talked about how it's one of his favorite games of all time. I really have like. To think about some of the initial things I said about the game back in 2018, I still really enjoy the combat. It can get very in-depth with uh, the abilities that you can unlock. Yeah, yeah. And how you use the different elements. I think that that is huge. Uh, I've really enjoyed the combat in the game. And I got to tell you, Josh, um, because I know you're going to remember this boss fight. One of my favorite boss fights... So far this year, and granted it didn't come out this year, but that mm-hmm. I played this year, and possibly it might vault into my top ten of all time, is that fight where you um you you've been like sequence not sequence breaking, you've been well yeah, kinda sequence breaking intentionally story wise to meet up with a specific character that is also doing something with you, and then you guys end up uh together and you have to fight this giant turtle boss that seemingly has an absurd amount of health and so one of the characters who's helping you is like let me help you out just survive until i can uh further break this game and is able to basically get you to where you are doing millions and billions of damage and oh my god was that boss fight epic is really good. It's really good. That game does a good job of kind of utilizing the conventions of of and this is something I've not seen in a lot of games recently, but this used to be much more of a thing in MMOs, the idea of the GM who's a, a character in the game who is just ungodly overpowered like this Mm. used to be much more of a thing where like you'd meet a gm in game and they had you know sanctioned hacks essentially that you could just one shot anything with uh and and kind of using that narratively in a lot of ways um to tell stuff with 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 a boss specifically like that story where where it's it's like don't get hit this you know this boss will waste you (laughs) If you let yeah. them hit you um, and you're just, you're not doing, you're barely scratching them. It's, it's kind of a matter of, you know, 
attrition. Like let's, let's, let's try to survive this. Um, yeah, exactly. And then it gets to that point, like that turning point. And it's, it feels so good because it's like you're breaking the game, but you're narratively, it's being done through narrative and it's intentional. Yeah. And it feels so good when like the care, there's the opposition who's like, Oh, this is nigh impossible. And then they're like, Oh, okay. I guess she's going to do the nigh impossible. And he's yeah, not like freaking yeah. out, but he's like, well, fuck, there goes my plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got a big feeling of that sort of unwinnable boss fight in another story sort of a situation, but like big dick energy. Well, that, yes, yes. But like that feeling of in a lot of games, oh, like if if you just kind of whittle away at it forever, you'll eventually be able to make it with stuff like a a lot of Dark Souls games do stuff like that. Also, the conceit of this game being that like at the end of the day, it is a game makes anything like we can bend the rules to. Yes. Yeah. And this this feels more narrative, like again, like like Shay was saying, where like in, in in like a Souls game, it would be a matter of get a hit in here and there, and this will take you two hours to do. Whereas right. in this one, it's you don't worry so much about getting those hits in. Someone else is taking care of you. We're eventually gonna also allow you to be cheating on the same level as the person you're fighting, and, yeah. and mm. then it'll be your turn to turn the turn the tables on this person it's it's more of about just surviving uh, right in these fights right exactly which i really enjoyed i enjoyed that specific boss fight a lot i've enjoyed a lot of the boss fights in the game um another thing i really want to say because you don't really get i mean you get impressions of that early on in the game which is i stopped within the first five hours um when i initially played it and i never got back around to it but i really love how meta the game is because like you're playing a game within a game essentially you're playing Mm -hmm. an mmo inside of a video game and uh there are narrative things that kind of break the fourth wall on that which i like a lot but one of my favorite meta jokes from the game so far and i know you're gonna laugh as soon as you hear it is when uh you go to gaia's garden and you're you're joined by two characters that you haven't been joined by yet and you end up running into various enemies and one of the guys is like oh it's not an rpg without slime enemies in the game and because you finally run into slime creatures and i i really love that bit because i immediately was like yeah that's true that's fucking true it can lean into the tropes for the sake of them being tropes because of like the nature of the story it's telling which is fun when you're willing to let your hair down and have fun with it like it's it's good times yeah it's a game that like I think it's a that that is a micro microcosm of a bigger um, benefit of this game is basically it is telling a fairly serious and mind fucky story. I won't get into what is happening in the story per se, but it is always like there's always a level of brevity and humor in the game that it never yeah. takes itself too seriously, but it has the right pacing generally to when yeah, you get. Yeah. To story beats that it's like okay this is humorous this is humorous okay it's time to take this seriously and it doesn't feel like i'm being forced to take it seriously it's like oh i actually care about what's gonna happen next it gives you yeah it gives you time to uh to it, it really earns those 
much more serious moments uh, in in the game because absolutely you, you, they they give you the kind of the overall you know big goal fairly early on sort of a sort of a okay you under you understand what is going on in the world it's not like oh I'm just I'm completely lost from the get go you hmm. you kind of you understand the stakes but then also it takes a while for those stakes to be fully actualized. Yeah, yeah, to be to be immediate and threatening to you. Um mm-hmm. and it give you a lot more time to get to know people to you know have your laughs to kind of get into the game within a games story. Mm-hmm. Uh to to kind of there's there's a lot more emphasis early on as far as you know experiencing this MMO world and like they give you, there's a lot more emphasis on the story of that game than cross code that story. Uh, and it kind of, it, they, they slowly give you those stakes that are outside of the other game. Right. um, In there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, pretty much hundred percent. I, uh, what else did I want to say about the game? I like, like I said, back in 2018, I really love the character development. I really love the way that, um, the game like gives character development and there's little bits of commentary as you're moving through various parts of the game. Like if you build up a combo, uh, multiplier in the game, like you're killing enemy after enemy, each character that's rolling around with you has something very different to say and it kind of is telling about their personality and it could be something yeah. as simple as that like that level of commentary or when you're doing yeah. some of the dungeons and you're doing the dungeons the way the game is orchestrated you have to do the dungeons solo but characters that you're rolling with will still call you on yeah, a direct yeah. link and like there's one character who's always like i hate bugs why are these dungeons always have bugs you know um yeah there's all this development and it's constantly happening. So it doesn't feel like a typical game that misses the mark on pacing where, you know, you get some story development and then there's a ton of exploration and then you're getting some story development and there's a ton of exploration. There is some of that in this game. I'm not going to completely ignore that. Yeah. But a lot of it is masked by those little commentary segments by other yes. characters and it's great. yeah it is it does it takes that from mmos in in a way where there are sections where oh, I, I got to a new zone there's a lot i've got to do some questing i've got to i've got to get through this section and hmm. you can either kind of relax not not think about it do it by yourself if you want to turn on something on another screen just get through it or you could and this like it's the MMO within a game. You can decide to DM your your friends who are also playing this MMO, and like you want you want to party up and get through this stuff early on, and you'll you'll they'll have stuff to talk about while you go through it. And it's they they manage to get that feeling across of you are playing an MMO in a mm. game that is not an MMO at it all. It gets that like, really well. Let's, let's chat while we grind sort of yeah. attitude across yeah. well. Like the the MMO culture. Yes. Yes, absolutely. To, to the extent that there are parts in the game where certain of your party members are just offline. Like, oh, I've got exams yeah. this week. I'm, I'm not going to be online for a while. Um, <laughs> you know, type you know stuff. what's funny? 
you're you're absolutely right, and I I hate saying this. No, I don't. Why am I lying? Um, <laughs> it's like you're watching vods of MMO streamers of people yeah. that you actually want to watch and who are actually interesting and who don't seem fake on camera. Yes, yeah. So nothing like us. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, I could be like the modern day vod. Like, dude, I totally played. This- Fucking amazing game. You're not going to believe it. Fucking. Okay. I play CrossCode. Guys, this game is one of the best games I played all year. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus. I could be like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, uh, yeah, it, it, you're right. It captures that feeling so well. And I really do enjoy that in the game a lot. I It, it makes those kind of slower quote-unquote slower moments feel great and they're a lot of fun and like you said when you get to the main story beats it feels a lot more earned and it feels a lot more captivating and yeah yeah i've really enjoyed that my one minor criticism of the game and this is not for like just the game in general it's for myself some of those puzzles are brutally difficult and they, they, I've had they, to look up. Yes. I've had to look up solutions. It's a challenging on a game. It is a challenging fucking there's, game. There's, this is something that I think a lot of puzzle games in general, but especially there, there, there are a lot of the puzzles in this game are not just puzzles. Like, okay, which which order do I hit the, you know, the switches in? They hmm. are they are puzzles. In 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 like. How do I do this? But also, how do I execute this sense? Um, yeah. Where it's sometimes hard to tell whether or not you have the right solution and you just can't execute it, or hmm. there's something new I need to figure out because they are fairly exacting at times as far as how you pull off some of these puzzles. Like, it's, it's a matter of, uh, like the, the main the main mechanic in this game is you are a uh, sphere mancer. Like they've got different classes in this MMO, and and you are playing as the jack of all trades, who's you know kind of undertuned is kind of the the way it's presented. Multiple times, mm. people like ask you why you're playing that class. Like, yeah, play sphere mancer. That class sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also be, be kind of because of that you're given a lot of like puzzly things like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to shoot this orb out here with a certain element. And then I got to go over here and hit this other switch and whatnot. It's, it's executing the solutions to puzzles is very hard. And that's, that's something that actually they, they've done a good job of addressing accessibility wise mm. since the initial release of this game is they've, yeah. they've allowed you to tune down how fast like your orb travels whenever you're yes. doing puzzle solving type stuff. Uh, 100%. Is, I was, I was going to mention that. I got to say, I turned it all the way down because I was like, this y- oh, is yeah, just pissing yeah. me off. And I don't, I don't, I don't, no, I no, no, enjoy no, the you, game. You need to. There are, there are some dungeons near the end that are exacting. Um, some of the, some of the final dungeons in the game on release are some of the, some of the toughest puzzles to even figure out what you're doing because especially initially on that on that original release you had to figure out what you were even trying to do and then right 
attempting those each time like is this possible do i need to switch this other thing this other direction maybe maybe i need more time maybe if i have it bounce around this other way mm. uh like it's even figuring out that you were even attempting the correct thing was yes. was hard to do for a while and it, that that's a lot easier to do since they've added in the accessibility features that they did uh i think that was a couple of years after launch but that's that thankfully that's that's something that's you know that was mu- added. much more doable than it was uh, yeah i can't i can't imagine doing the game at that original pace because like there's some of those puzzles that like when i looked up i was like how the fuck would i know that that's what you're supposed to do and then yeah. I, I think about like i've had it at half speed this whole time once i discovered that i was like i can't imagine trying to do that at full speed yeah so yeah. it would some of those some of those final dungeons whenever I was playing that thing on release were fucking nuts. They like I I don't know how most people got through them. They were uh, other than just like really really being invested in seeing where it goes from there. They were right. They were overtuned. They were very overtuned on right. release. Uh, I'm glad they figured that out. Um yeah. And like like I said, that's more of a personal gripe than a just gripe on the game itself. I mean, for some people, they're gonna love that difficulty. Yeah, I do. Yeah, no, I'm I'm I got I'm, shit I'm, to a, do. I'm a sick human being, and I I appreciate that at the time. But yeah, I, I I see that they were right to add those in as accessibility features. As far as I remember, you, know. you mentioning that a few years ago yeah. too. So I'm glad that they did. Um. And the other thing I wanted to mention about that that exact topic, because you got me thinking about it, is that um, the main character is a Spheromancer and is handling the puzzles from a Spheromancer standpoint. I wonder how the other classes handle those puzzles. Are they the same exact puzzles, or are those puzzles more geared towards your class when you go in, which is why I'm, it's yeah. like each character goes in like there. Like maybe the Spheromancer is the super, like you need to really overthink this type class. Like things are, mm. I'm kind of, I, I kind of have a suspicion that's the way it is because all the dungeons are in the narrative of the story, all instanced dungeons. Um, right. So yeah, it, it seems like maybe that's kind of the focus there. Like, oh, you're, you're playing the, you know, the class that is what you play if you overthink fucking everything. Um, mm. Yeah. 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 It's, it's. It's something that I think that they leave open, um, that they don't go into much detail to, and it's kind of a fun mm-hmm. little thought experiment, experiment to be like, I wonder how the other classes handle these dungeons, because you never yeah. truly learn. Yeah, yeah, so. you, it's something you can't see, so. Right, right. But overall, I think I'm, I'm a little past halfway, because I just got to Gaia's Garden, and um, that's a little past the halfway point. I was reading it's at about the 60% yeah, yeah. mark. And uh, I've just kind of, dis- I went around discovering all of the the areas. I haven't done any actual, like, uh, of the platforming to try and get some of the hidden items. Um, I haven't done oh, much yeah. of the story Ga- there yet. Gaia's Garden is one of the more interconnected zones as far as, like, I can see a chest here. I'm going to have to go through eight different screens in order to figure out my path to get to that chest that I just saw. It is, yeah. it is a really complex level design uh, in that zone. It's cool in some ways. Uh, I really like it because it causes you to think, and I really enjoy that. 
there are other times where I'm like, man, I'm missing one fucking chest and I cannot yeah. figure this out for the life of me. And it gets frustrating. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't times. stress too hard about that. Later on, you will get a, um, an ability that will, uh, it, it, like, uh, I, I think it like dings if there's a chest in an area. So like if you're missing one thing, it's not a matter of, and where the fuck is this thing? It's okay. I, I know there's something on this map. Let's let's pay attention to this particular screen and mm. find it. And then I can figure out my path to it. And and that's that's yeah, I think you should get that fairly soon. That's that's near the end that you get that and it'll kinda help you with going back and finding everything if you want to do that. Okay. Which I think is worth it because the level design is I love the level design of this game. It is it's, it's very it's, good. It's a it's top down uh like action adventure type you know snes era type map design like you wouldn't think of it being particularly special but it is ridiculously vertical in the Mm. way you think of these spaces uh because like in a lot of games like oh there's a cliff here i just can't get past there maybe you can there's there's way to jump up and down different levels and you can kind of do this auto jumping type you know zelda you get to an edge you'll jump off of it type of a thing and and the way you have to think about the levels in this game is outstanding i i think this is some of the best level design in all of games uh they just they it's it's excellent they 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 absolutely thought through how you're going to work your way through a level initially like upon Mm. upon seeing it the first time how you're going to work through it a second time uh in order to find one or two other things how are you going to work through it a third and fourth time in order to get to these ridiculously hidden secrets in it? It's it, the, the level design is so deep on every single screen of yep. this game that it is just a joy to get invested in the world because there's so much to discover. I agree with that. I agree with that. Like even if some of the chests don't always feel like it's a good payoff, the 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 journey itself is what's fun. It's like, oh shit, I could do that, and I figured it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the rewards for it or whatever, but just doing it, just for the joy of doing it, is really cool. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with that. So, um, yay validation. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, let's not harp on that. Uh, not harp. Let's not talk about that game anymore. Uh, this is a fantastic game. Um, I'm sure I'll have more thoughts on it next week. Hopefully I finish it by then. And um, I'd love to do, and this is something I haven't talked with Josh privately yet, but it's something I'd love to do a CAD on. I think it's oh, yeah. long yeah. overdue. So. Mm-hmm. Rich, you finished the game, right? No. Well, you should. You should so get to that. Be, yeah. They actually added the new dungeon. That was... Something I talked about at the time. I want to. I I very much want to. uh, About how the the, the narrative to the game ends before the narrative to the MMO that you're in. Um, Just to kind of leave things hanging. But then since then, not uh, last year, finally, years after the fact, they released essentially the final patch to the MMO within the game. So you can go Mm. through and kind of get closure on that MMO. Uh, That's neat. With with like a, an epilogue chapter uh, and final dungeon to kind of tie everything together, which is really cool. So, hell yeah, that is really cool. I like that. All right, well, the last game we're going to talk about uh, is 
one that jo- uh, not Josh, excuse me, Rich is going to talk about called Video Horror Society. That's the game he's Thank going to you. talk about. Yeah, VHS, baby. Uh, we talked about this a little last week. I just kind of wanted to add a few more thoughts as I put some more time into it. Um, <laughs> everything I discussed about this last week kind of stands. I'm still really fucking enjoying it. Um, trying to get a few matches in a night when I finish up. Um, and one of the bigger things I brought up last week when I was talking about this, this game, uh, was that cues took, take for fucking ever. Um, yeah. And they're starting to get a little bit better. Uh, I was getting a match in like five to six minutes last night. And okay. I, don't, I don't know how much of this is related to that, but since, uh, we last spoke about this, Josh, the devs have gone out and been like, we're going to throw a 10% experience bonus to anyone playing as the monster uh, just to okay. try and drive more people to play monster. That's a good, you know, temporary solution. I kind of think just like I was saying, it's a, a band-aid, a, not a, uh, yeah. whatever is needed cue would be the big yeah. solution there. But that's that definitely is a it's it's helping alleviate it for right now. And I think getting more yeah. people into it. And as I, I expressed to you when we last discussed this. I think personally, like just playing that first match as monster is enough to get people like, oh, this is pretty fun. Like I like for me, I have a bunch of friends that are playing this game, so I rarely queue as monster because I would only oh, you really want to play do- with your friends. Yeah, yeah, I would only really do that if I was playing alone. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. Unless you're playing like a f- like a full stack, like okay, let's rotate as the monster sort of a situation. That makes more sense that if you're hopping in with friends, you're gonna want to play with, with your friends. Yeah, and as it stands right now, there's no like private match setting, so you really can't queue with five people. Oh, huh? Like, which really? I, I, they don't have an no, option no, to to, to like set thing. up a private match. No, no games like this do that, and I. If it was a private match with no experience, is what I think they should add it. I because yeah. un- I understand why they don't like, do it. Uh, yeah, which from, is they don't want like people throwing to thing. grind yeah. out abilities. Yeah, that makes which sense. I but completely understand. Um, yeah, you'd still think they'd have a you know custom game setting so you could play like take turns playing as the monster, even even if it weren't like you're saying, just just like turn off the. Turn off the ex- the progression, yeah. yeah. So you can just kind of mess around and and get to understand the game. But uh, I I want to put a little more time into Monster. I kind of want to start to understand some of the more complicated ones, like the the Lizard Man and the the Puppet Master. But I, as far as like and like we discussed last week, I'm not like huge on these type of games. But like these horror survival asynchronous multiplayer,s I think this is like the best of them that I've ever played, and a lot of it has to do with that sort of bigger sense of agency you get as the survivors and like that mm. that whole point of fighting back against the monster there there's plenty of content in there right now and you know if they can titty yeah continue to do titty continue to do a steady drop of content i think this game could have a really long life especially because it is free to play and i'm enjoying yeah. the hell out of playing it yeah no no that sounds cool i I I do. I I hope that you and I should dive into some of that. Yeah, uh, we should we nights. should definitely we should we should do some of that. But I do. I I hope they kind of add some of those things like you were talking about. I I really custom match would be perfect for this. Like, how great would this be? Like on yeah, stream, like he, okay, ha, how ha, like join us? We're gonna start a custom yes, game. Exactly. Swap out like that, that. It seems like that's needed. Even if you have to turn off progression, I think that's mm-hmm. a, that would be a really welcome addition. 
Yeah, I would I would love that. Because I'd be completely understanding of the idea of like, hey, listen, we don't want you farming. A, you know, like, granted, there's a number of times where the, the video rental system you use for experience, I would call what I do just like cheesing it where I'm in a chat with people. And I'm like, hey, uh, one of the things I need to do this match is hand someone a candy bar. So uh, if someone gets a hand candy bar handed to me and I'm going to hand it back to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, but that's that's simple stuff. That's just multiplayer yes. game stuff, because yeah, yeah. a lot of the tick boxes are things that you can't fabricate. Like I need to smack the monster three times with an electric weapon. But like other times, it's just like heal X amount of players X amount of times. Use a walkie talkie twice in a match, like simple stuff. Yeah, yeah, I d yeah. I hope they add some of that stuff in, because I, I do think. I do think it would I, be a welcome addition, but like I, this I game is charming as hell. Yeah, I. I Adding in custom games too early on, I think, could kind of kill the matchmaking, and they they, they probably don't want to do that, especially early yes. on. Like you're saying, it makes down sense. the road. I think it could it could be a welcome addition. Yeah, but I would I would love to see that sort of custom game added in eventually if if the player base latches onto it. Well, I we I had a few nights where we've had five people in a Discord playing, and our go-to has kind of been: we're gonna queue. When our queue reaches five minutes, you start queuing his monster, and maybe you'll get put into our match. Right? Yeah. Like trying trying to game the system. That yeah. exactly. It would be nice if they just allowed you to do that manually instead of you know just kind of hoping. But the the running joke for me, which I still find hilarious, is when you are running with a four stack. As I told you last time, the the thing is when you're queuing, it just shows five teams, and you don't know who the monster is until the match starts. Yeah. So it'll be you know queuing with a four stack, and then the fifth person joins. And you're like, oh damn, I wonder who the monster is. Right. Hmm. But yeah, that's that's free to play. It's I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Definitely gonna keep plugging away at that. That game's a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, well, hopefully it continues. The experience experience continues to improve on that. For I, I am at least hoping so. I am hoping yeah. so, but fun regardless. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean that's it for games. We're gonna take another quick break, and I have a surprise. Uh oh. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a surprise for the guys. Are you gonna let my family back? go? <laughs> he just <Maybe>. quits. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Shay! Shay, you there? Yeah, what's up? I don't know if Josh can hear us. I hacked into his edit of the podcast so we could plug the other shows. Quick, we got, you gotta, gotta tell me what kind of new shows we have on the horizon. What's going on? What's in the feed? Okay, so it was like I was saying to my friend the other day that freedom isn't free, bitch. That's a reference for no one, but that is hilarious. <laughs> but that's not why I'm here. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to tell you about new episodes of Evoking the Sublime. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that podcast that I recently got three new episodes up on. Yeah. Thanks for pitching that, man. Thanks for plugging that. No, I am legally obligated to. Well, I heard you got some episodes up on uh, Jumping at the Bits. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we got a new one up on Kirby where we talk about all about his history, his first two games in depth, and his just general facts about him overall. Oh, oh shit. Here comes Josh. Uh, Josh, we were just we were just telling the people about uh, chomping after dark and nothing else like you requested. Maybe maybe you could tell them a little bit about that. Chomping after dark. Yeah, yeah you, you remember that. In yeah, you know that one. While I'm editing. How did you get here? It's not important. The point is, Chopping After Dark is a show where we spoil video games and sometimes movies. 
I heard we do comic books occasionally and TV shows, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Occasionally we do do those things. Yeah, and you said doo-doo. <laughs> I did say doo-doo. It's funny because it comes from your butt. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, anyways, Josh, we'll let you get back to editing. Sorry about interrupting you. How did they even get into this edit? All right, we are back. We have a special final segment that the other boys don't know about. I'm really excited for this. We are bringing back the game show. That's right. We're going to be doing another segment of the game show. I'm really excited for this. Um, for those of you who have been keeping the track, game which... show with Don Pardo. <laughs> for those of you who have been keeping track. I asked six questions as the topic. We talked about six games in our video game section. And now for the game show, I have six questions for the boys. That's right. The theme is six because six years, six, 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 we're evil or some shit. I don't know. But Just here's how it's going to work. demon or some shit. It's the same as before. I will give the guys 10 seconds to think about their answer and they will announce their answer after those 10 seconds and if they both get it right they get a point if one person gets it right they get the point they don't get it right no points very simple very easy you guys have any questions before we start okay good all right so question number one how much money did video gaming generate in the U.S. in 2021, according to Statista.com, was it A, 48.19 billion? Was it B, 67.38 billion? Was it C, 51.69 billion? Or was it D, 94.31 billion? You guys have 10 seconds. Or, sorry, sorry. I guess I do have a question. We're typing this in chat like before? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Sweet. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. All right. All right. I can't, so re- I can't go... remember if the 61 whatever was C or D. Well, there's 67.38 and 51.69, Josh. All right. All right. Yeah, I... I... The 61 is one I was thinking of. I couldn't remember if that was seared. Well, there's 67 and there's 51. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the 67. Okay, 67. Whichever, I couldn't remember which, which letter that was. Okay, was okay, B. All right, so, Rich, you went with D, 94.31 billion. Josh, you went with B, 67.38 billion. The correct answer is... C, 51.69 ah, billion. So we both got it. that's right that's right alright so no points on the board that's okay let's go to question number two what was the best selling game in 2020 was it A Animal Crossing New Horizons was it B Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War was it C Madden NFL 2021 or was it D The Last of Us Part 2 you have 10 seconds. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
10. All right, your 10 seconds are up. You both guessed A, Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm sorry to say that's not the number one. B. It was the number three best-selling game. I knew of it was up time. there. I knew it was unusually up there for an Animal Crossing yeah. game. Yeah, it was. Which it was is... huge for that year, but I couldn't remember if it was the first one or not. Yes, the correct Much answer. Higher, is, yeah. The correct answer is B. Call of Duty yeah, Black B. Ops Cold War. I figured War. it was Call of. It's always really? fucking Call of Duty. I thought we Duty. were in the Call of Duty decline before then. <sighs> no man. Like I thought no, most of the world started admitting that actually uh, they don't give a shit. These fucking scrubs in their Call of Duty. Well, Madden NFL 2021 was the fourth uh best-selling game Madden. But yeah. <laughs> the Last of Us Part 2 was number 6. Okay. Okay. I I never bet against Call of Duty. That I, that's a lesson there. That's You learned your lesson mm-hmm. and that's okay. All right. No points across the board. That's okay. Someone's going to get a point on this one. I believe it. I, I hope not. Yeah. That'd be the best way to end this if nobody gets any points. <laughs> All right. Number three. In 2019, a major story dominated video gaming news. Something was controversial, and games with it ended up becoming banned in Belgium and the Netherlands. What was the issue? Was it A, extreme violence? B, loot boxes? C, Games with ray tracing, or D, crunch culture. I will give you 10 seconds to type in your answers. Two. Didn't three, need it. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. Ten. All right, your 10 seconds are up. You We've both been long have together in- on all of these so far, Rich. Same guesses, both- same, same wrongness every time. I gotta start letting you put it in first so I can just pick something different just yeah. to spread the wealth. Yeah. You guys both typed in B, loot boxes. I'm sorry to say you guys were correct. It is B, loot boxes. I knew those you- were banned in the EU, but I couldn't remember if it was like specifically Belgium and the Netherlands. Yes. I part of me wanted to guess ray tracing because I think it would be funny if they're like, science has gone too far! <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite answer to make up. It's but, too uh, real! We can't have this here! But ray tracing was actually a big uh, news point in video gaming in 2019, as that's the, when it was more the president commercial. <laughs> commercially available. Yes, and vi- uh, quote-unquote viable. The yeah. president of Belgium uh, has banned the video game control because of ray tracing, and beca- due to the fact that he is afraid of being in a matrix. Hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you both have one point now. Must feel good. Eh, it's the same. Okay. I might have been I think I was happier before I had any points. <laughs> it was more enjoyable to be fucking up yeah. constantly. More points, more problems. Exactly. Right. <laughs> am I right? Am I right, white people? White uh, people. Number four. In 2018, the battle royale genre exploded with the rising popularity of PUBG and Fortnite. What two games are considered the earliest inspiration of the battle royale genre? Is it A, Minecraft and Arma 2, B, Minecraft and Rust, C, Arma and Arma 2, or D, Rust and Mag? I will give you guys 10 seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine. All right, ten. All right. I so think it's we probably C, but I didn't want to 
guess the same thing as rich every time there. Oh, thank God. So I just so, went, I went with D just to switch things up so we weren't guessing the same. I'm pretty sure it's C, though. That's right. Rich went I'm with C, wrong. Arma, and Arma 2. Josh went with D, Rust, and Mag. I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong on that. I'm happy to say <laughs> both of you were wrong. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> the correct is answer is A, Minecraft, and Arma 2. And the reason why these were both... Uh, precursors or earliest inspiration is because both of them had mods that had added a mode that was akin to yeah i knew arma uh, 2 was in there i just yeah that so i knew i was wrong with d but anyway yeah (sighs) i was half waiting for it i thought it'd be hilarious if you were like fortnite pubg dominated the game ways as battle royales what are the first two games known for spawning this culture a PUBG and Fortnite. (laughs) I was was seriously sitting this. Yeah, same thing. That would have been hilarious. Well, Uh, that was the hardest year for me to do 2018 because I was like, I got to do something interesting, yet it's going to throw them off. It's not super easy. Yeah, that makes sense, though, with the the mod community on both of those. Arma 2 has been huge. Like, they had a huge announcement this year about how they were essentially rebuilding everything from the ground up in order to make modding an even bigger, more accessible thing. And that was the only reason anyone played that game anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about the the next question. I'm I'm hoping one of you is going to get this right. I believe it. Number five, mobile gaming saw record revenue numbers in 2017. What mobile game was the highest grossing game in 2017? Was it A, Clash Royale? Was it B, Dungeon Fighter Online. Was That's it C, up. Honor of Kings? Or was it up. D, League of Legends? The boys have 10 seconds. I've only heard of two of those, so. Two, <sighs> three. B and C are four, made up. <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, boys, you've locked your answers in. Uh, Rich, I feel like went, Josh might be right. But I, I feel I, like I'm running a technicality because it probably made more money, not just in the mobile space, but just in general. Yes. Mm. But other than that, I, I fear it was like Clash of Clans or some other shit like that. But Yeah. Well, Rich went with A, Clash Royale. Josh went with D, League of Legends. I'm surprised neither of you got the answer correct. I'm not, because I've never heard of either of those other games. Clash Royale is number seven highest grossing in 2017, and League of Legends was number two. Josh, you were really close. I I knew it was close there because of the whole League of Legends just being huge in general, but I assumed you literally made those other two games up. (laughs) Well, it's funny that you say that, Rich, because Dungeon Fighter Online was number three, and number one was Honor of Kings. I don't know what either. I of those have no idea are. what the fuck either of those same, two are. Same. They both most of fell these games are cliff after this year. Most of these games are owned by one company. I'll give you guys. Uh, I know who that is. Tencent. Tencent. You nailed yeah. it. Yep. No surprise there. Yep. All right. Well, I I guess maybe Nancy Pelosi is surprised because she has been sanctioned by China, which means her Tencent account has been revoked. <laughs> Damn I'm sure she'll line. find some other way to do but insider I, trading without that anyway. But her and I are supposed to play PUBG later. <laughs> Guess not. Well, you guys damn, have damn Nancy. 
You guys have one point going into this final question. So one of you has got to get this. Probably won't, though. Question six. Every year, we see higher-level execs leave video game companies and switch to different developers. Which video game exec didn't leave in 2016? <laughs> Christ, didn't leave. Oh, my God. Tatsuya Minami, president of Platinum Games, left. Was this in 2016? Uh, Dino Patti, co-founder of Play Dead, left. That's B. C. Brian Horton, director of Rise of the Tomb Raider, left Crystal Dynamics for Infinity Ward. Or D. Matthew Armstrong, creator of the Borderlands series, left Gearbox Software. Which one of these execs did not leave in 2016? I will give you guys 10 seconds. Three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We've got our answers locked in. Uh, I hope I'm Richie right. chose D, Matthew Armstrong, and Josh, you chose A, Tatsuya Minami. So I'm going to tell you this one of you is correct. Woo! Hooray! I, I don't even care as long as we didn't tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somehow you guys tied. <laughs> the correct answer is... D. Matthew Armstrong, creator of the Borderlands series, left Gearbox in 2015, the year before. You want to you right. hear something hilarious? Still left. Do you want to know why I got it right? Because I actually thought it happened later. I thought it happened more recently than that. <laughs> okay. I thought it happened like last year. Yeah. Oh my god, that's funny. that's funny. And I and I thought platinums. It's we both were wrong for different reasons, but you got it right anyway. Yeah. I, th I thought I thought that the CEO of Platinum left before this. Nope. I'm I'm technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. Well, Rich, good job. You win absolutely nothing but the pride of winning this one. Oh well my done. god. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yep. That's the stuff. <laughs> so I, I actually arranged a seventh question for a tiebreaker just in case. In case. You guys tied. Let's ask you guys anyway. want to do just this for, one? Yeah, just for, yeah, just so we have a chance to un unbreak the... Uh, to retie. Exactly. <laughs> well, jo uh, Josh, Rich is still the winner, but you know what? Just for the mm -hmm. sake of fucking Bragging up rights. the game more, why not? Exactly. Number seven. There were some incredible video games that were released in 2015. Debatable. There was a lot of dissension about which game deserved which awards at the Game Awards 2015, the Dice Awards, the Game Developers Choice Awards, and the British Academy Games Awards, the four main awards that we're going to be looking at for this conversation, or this question, rather. However, there was one game that won Best Art Direction at all four awards shows. It was the only category that was universally agreed upon by all four awards shows. What was the game that won Best Art Direction? Was it A, The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt? Was it B, Bloodborne? Was it C, Ori and the Blind Forest? Or was it D, Batman Arkham Knight? I will give you guys 10 seconds. Two, three, four, five, six, Seven, eight, nine, ten. 
Josh, lock in that answer for me, my friend. It was actually David Ayer's Suicide Squad, the the film, somehow. <laughs> I thought you were going to say his suicide note. I was like, that's dark. No, I'm, uh, I, Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember this as well. But Well, the correct answer is C, Ori in the Blind yeah. Forest. So there is still no yeah. tie. Rich, you are still the winner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good job. Yeah, I, thought I, that was pretty I, I remember this one happening at the time because it was such a straight art style. It, yeah. And it was like one of those things where like, wow, this game that wasn't that big, like stood out at these award shows, which was cool. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, <laughs> this um, is actually the only one that I knew going into it. I put I I got to be honest with you guys. I picked some really hard questions for that one. Yeah. That was probably the were hardest tough. one you guys the, had. The CEO one was ridiculous because like. There was so much getting shaken up here that trying to remember what happened in 2016 was insane. Dude, I like that. There were so many because I was like, what I did was I went backwards from the past six years and I was like, let me just pull technically seven. And I was like, let me pull out like an interesting factoid or something like that. Make a question out of that. And as I'm looking at the 2016 news, I was like, so many fucking people left different companies in 2016. Yeah. It was insane. So I was like, mm. oh yeah, that's gotta be the question. And that was by and large, I was writing that question. I was like, this is so fucking hard. I love it. I'm glad I don't have to do this. So seriously. Um, yeah. That was fun. That was a really fun one. I knew that one was gonna be probably the most difficult one to date. And uh it was worth it. It was worth it. I um I enjoyed that. So hopefully you the listeners enjoyed that as well. So uh that's gonna be it for the show i i know that it seems like there should be more fanfare and whatnot um but i just want to say six years 300 episodes is, you know it's the same thing i said at 250 it's insane it's insane that i remember i remember that at 250 because i was here you were here Never for that farm one. remembers. Was I? <laughs> you were and it's just it's insane oh yeah that we, I, I conflated six years with 600 somehow. It's okay. Like, you're I drunk. was here for 250, you're right. You're drunk, it's okay. No, I'm not. I work in the morning. But we've been doing this for six years, Josh. Fuck. I mean, technically longer when you consider SBT, but consecutively. Mm-hmm. Six years, man. It's insane. And Rich, I think you're, you're coming up on year, th- year three for you. Yeah, this is my fourth episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Actually, I was going back listening, or not listening, but looking at some of our old episodes and stuff like that. And I think, like, you were, within the first, like, 80 episodes, you were a guest on our show. Yeah. Damn. Kind of crazy to think about in retrospect, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, six years has been great. I've really enjoyed doing this podcast through the ups and the downs. And uh, doing it with these guys and everyone else who's been involved, whether Patreon, uh, patron, part of the community, uh, former host, what have you. It's been a fun six years. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, taking the journey with us. And uh, hopefully, you know, you're going to keep going with us. I think we got a couple more weeks of this in us. (laughs) (laughs) Got a few more weeks into this. Yeah. But no, seriously, from the bottom of my hearts, thank you so much for, you know, taking this journey with us, and hopefully you continue to take this journey with us as we move forward. Yeah. Hell yeah. We'll be here. Yeah. For a little so bit. So quick, 
few backend things. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please head over to SoreChomp.com where you can get access to all of our previous ChompCast episodes. You can get access to our other podcasts, which have various things to do with video gaming and whatnot. Um, some awesome episodes and whatnot there. Some awesome material. You can check out the article section where we write reviews for games. Um, we write think pieces and we get the occasional guide up. We just talked about Tunic today. Uh, Josh, as I mention all the time, I can finally appreciate it now. The the work that he put that went into translating the fictitious language in Tunic. You're a fucking Def- lunatic. You are. Yeah. Now that I have context to how crazy that is, like I was, I looked at that. I was like, I don't even know how the fuck you go about approaching that. But uh, it's incredible. I honestly, this is this is one of the languages that stumped me the most in a game like this. Normally, I I like I go like okay, I get it. Like it's it's not that hard of a thing. But this this game, it was not until late in the game that I kind of finally got an mm. inkling of how I was even going to go about addressing this language. Direction's um, too confusing. Got Dick caught in ceiling fan. Seriously, <laughs> fucking seriously. It it took a while. It's it's incredible. I mean, for that that reason alone, even if you're not into Tunic, just check out that guide. Um, it's insane, insanely cool. Um. But we have a bunch of articles up there. You can also check out our merch store at store.sorechump.com. Uh, we have lots of cool, interesting ideas there, mainly logos, but some other designs by some great friends like Bernadette Connery, who did some awesome stuff for us there. Did one of my favorite designs we have. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. And last but not least, if you want to figure out a better way of supporting us, and get rewarded for it because we are completely 100% listener funded. We don't have any ads. We don't have any special benefactors other than you, the listener. Head over to patreon.com slash and you can find exciting ways to support us. But that's going to round out our 300th episode, our six years of podcasting. Um, and that's going to round out this episode here. So I want to say thank you first and foremost to Rich and Josh for uh, doing this with me for, through the years. Uh, appreciate it and sticking through through the highs and lows. Um, it's been fun doing this podcast stuff with you guys the past few years. And uh, I want to say thank you to you, the listener, whether you are a brand new listener, you were a listener for a while, went away, came back. Whether you've been here the whole time, whatever the case may be, thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting us. We appreciate it. And uh, thank you for being your chompiest. Thank you for, for be chomping. Mm-hmm. I be chomping. I be chomping. Yeah. Well, well, we will be back with another episode next week. Sans Rich, he will be uh, masturbating in a time machine. It's true. And uh, Josh and I will be back next week. So come back next week and we will catch you on that episode. Thank you so much and take care. Bye-bye. Right.